Sit back and relax while you listen to Train Kickers podcast. I'm Dave, and along with my co-hosts Dan and Steve, we're taking all around the world of miniature wargaming. On tonight's episode, we're going to go over a discussion related to PAX Unplugged mostly, which was a board game slash miniature convention that just happened this past weekend um, over the 2nd to the 4th of December. Both Dan and I attended that. Uh, Steve wasn't able to make it. Um, I don't think he's necessarily too big into some of these conventions, so so we went instead. And we'll talk a little bit about both the miniatures as well as board games. Dan did a lot more miniatures. I did a lot more board games. So I'll have a little bit of discussion of those. Um, for the current time being, we're up down to about one episode a week just because with the holiday season and, and people having some other things going on, it's a little bit tough to get extra recordings out. Though I do have a, a recording waiting in the wings to put out. And I do also have... Um, some other content that I plan to put out as well, especially related to, say, board games and all, which is sort of my my other passion that I have, that um, originally that's what um, this whole podcast and all is going to be about. But, you know, war games just became a more natural fit. So I do plan on putting some stuff out there. So you'll see some other content. Obviously, we might be a little bit light going through the Christmas season. Once we got our Christmas, then things start to clean up again and we can start uh, pressing on with where we want. Um, the hope is next week to get back to Primarchs and some other things, but we figured this just happened. We just got back as of uh, yesterday, back now into the real world, so we thought now would be a good time to talk about it. Now, on to the show. All right, and uh, Dan, how are, are you recovered from the weekend? Because yes. you, yeah, you played nice. a lot at a table, which meant bending forward a lot to yeah, roll dice no. a lot. So, I mean, to be fair... I have actually, since I met my, well, now wife, but, you know, when I I never really spent, like, more than a day tournamenting. Usually I've always gone to day one tournaments or day one events. I think this is the first time that I've ever spent in uh, a more than a day away from my wife and my kid. Um, so it's a little weird, but it was actually kind of exciting. I liked it. I finally got a hotel, so I didn't have to drive down. Um Driving was the yeah. worst idea last year because you live about an hour and a half away. This yeah, was in no, Philadelphia, yeah. so Dan's about an hour and a so half out. I about learned my lesson, essentially. Um, got a hotel, very cheap, too. Uh, I have no idea how I got it cheap, but you know what? Screw it. It worked. Um, it was the Sheraton. It was really nice. I figured out Uber Eats because <laughs> I never You Uber never used them before. before? No, I never. When do I? I've never been alone. Like, my wife has gone to Puerto Rico for, like, you know, the death of my mother-in-law and stuff like that. But other than that, like, I, I never been on my own. So it was kind of interesting to kind of be on my own. It was kind of weird. Like, back in college again. Um, but no, it was three days of gaming. Um, it was uh, the horse hair. I was basically three days of gaming with horse heresy. I visited some of the shops. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, big shout out to Frenchie. Frenchie runs really good events. Um, and we had really good sponsors. We had uh, Pop Goes the Monkey as a sponsor. We had like a hundred dollar gift card, fifty dollar gift card. Uh, we had uh, Goblin Hut Gaming as a, a um, as a sponsor. And Goblin Hut Gaming, for those who don't know, if you ever need to rust something, get Dirty Down Rust. This is not even. We're not sponsored by Goblin Hut. <laughs> But get they could. Dirty, we could. <laughs> like the dude who runs the store. Uh, but yeah. no, he um, he's the only Eastern distributor right now. Um, and he distributes this thing called Dirty Down Rust. It's it's magic. It's literal magic. Um, and then we were sponsored by Games Workshop, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, we had our like first sponsors this year, which was actually really cool. But yeah, no, it was a good, it was a, you know, it was a good three days. And actually, I was pretty happy about it. 
I would never purchase the overpriced. I, like I have some new plans for next year. If I do next year, like every year, next year. more efficient. But uh, yeah. I almost bought we'll get I, I have some plans as well for that. Yeah. I almost um, bought the Thunderhawk too. I was again. If the I'm telling you, day one purchase. Um, day one purchase. If custodians can take a Thunderhawk, it's a day one purchase for me. All right. So, so Steve, you may not know this. So, so day one, I'm walking around a little bit. I go to the GW area and I, I see, if, um, so for anyone who doesn't know, at the convention, GW has a, a raz, rather sizable presence. Um, they have maybe one of the bigger sort of booth areas. Um, I, I'm, 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 for anyone on the YouTube, I'm going to try to put up pictures and all related to both ones I took. Um, through this, we're going to have some short little videos without audio playing of different armies. We took some pictures of and all. But in that one, they had a giant setup of, um, do you remember what the battle was supposed to be? What the name on it was? Oh yeah, it was it's, it's it's the job site massacre. Was it extra job site massacre? Was that what it was supposed to be? I mean, yep. it's it supposed to be Mark Six. I know they were not even up. that. There was a there was a war with a giant chaos star on it, and the battle lines yeah. were a little mixed up with iron warriors being next to. Um, Steve, the historian, puts up, pushes up his yeah. glasses. Ah, well, you see, the Iron Warriors were supposed to be forming the second wave of assault. <laughs> and and we're gonna... setting up the fallback positions for the Loyalist forces. However, they turned out to be death traps. Yeah. Um, not the way the table was set up, and I was a little sad about that. However, if you can paint the standard of that table, you're doing fine. Yeah, and I do. I did take good pictures. It's a very basic was, painting level. The whole thing but, was everything except the Warhound you can buy in the box. That's why they yes. kind of did that. It's yeah. literally like, hey, see how we have this entire Emperor's Children Legion, how we have this entire um, Iron Hands, Iron Hands Legion. Everything you see there is bought in this box. And I mean, listen, yeah. I, I'm not one to you know suck on the chode of GW, but that box is a really damn good deal. <laughs> Yeah. I think what was it like buying all the minis individually is like six hundred dollars, not including the rule book. Near there, yeah. But I think yeah. the rule book. So one second. All right. Uh, sorry about that little potentially random pause. Uh, so so uh, behind the curtain here. Usually when we record, Steve's always the lowest for whatever reason. His system's like nah. I'm going to be on top right now. So we had to yeah. we had to try to adjust him down. I'll make some final adjustments by... as well. Yeah, <laughs> we're um, all literally shocked. So GW had their big old area. So I'm walking through on Friday. It's one of the first things I walk through. And I see they have like some big forge world boxes because they carry forge world stuff. And I take a look and I'm like, oh, what's that box? And I knock some other box over. So the guy helps me. He's like, oh, let me help you with that, sir. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was trying to see what forge world boxes was. And it was a um, Warhound Titan. So, like, oh, and I look next to Thunderhawk. And then. Um, yeah, that, that's I forget exactly what I saw the Thunderhawk. I forget what was yep. after. There's some other large box. And I it said, was, oh. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was the uh, Mechanicum uh, train tank. Um, Stop tapping on things when you're talking about it. The it's not the Acastus. <laughs> the arc. It's the big uh, Sonic gun that the Mechanicum have. The on order not to Yes. Okay. Um, so the head that I said, oh my 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 one of my co-hosts is going to be here. I'm going to try to see if I can get him to make a bad decision and buy something really expensive. <laughs> so the guy tells me a course about how if you spend like 750 bucks, you get a free play mat, stuff like that. And he goes, Oh, yeah. he's like, if the guy really wants to make a real big mistake, he's like, um, we have a Manta in the back. No. Yep. yep. Had a Manta. He, he said, we've been trying for years for them to bring one over. Um, I said, I, so 
I, I don't know the details, but I think essentially GW proper has to okay or send them certain models. So like probably normal models are easy, but Forge World ones are expensive ones. They probably have to get the okay to bring. And the guy said, yeah, we got two big old boxes because it's it comes in two boxes where he's like, yeah, we got a Manson in the back. And I was like, well, no, he's not going to do that. But um, I don't, I never got a chance. I wanted to check back near the end and see if anyone had actually bought it. I'm curious. The joke, if, by the if way. If someone listens to us and you bought it, let us know. I'm yeah. curious if someone The did. joke is, by the way, I have Custodes dice, uh, the old ones, the gold ones that they uh, used to sell. And I have the black library ones. And because I'm me, I bought like eight carts, uh, eight boxes of each one. Because I'm always petrified of losing the dice and then not being able to replace it. Because they go for a lot on eBay. So the joke was that if I were to sell all of my extra dice on eBay that I own for the custodies, I can quite literally buy a Manta and still have money left over. And yet, but he didn't. Mind you, he, he decided not to do that. Absolutely not. Dice are more important. Some people will understand who listen to I don't us. know. Have you, seen, have you seen the Manta? Oh, God, it's so um, big. There was a few things. Like the, the Titan, I was like, ooh, that would be kind of cool. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to put it together. That's the probably going to be a pain. The Warhound is hell. I've I've heard like I've heard that the Reaver and the Warlord are such an ease to build. I've heard literal horror stories from the Warhound. And it's it literally the feet. It, it's the uh, toes, the toesies, and the pistons. Mm. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I was I, I was there more for board game stuff anyway. But um, so Steve, you weren't able to go. How have you been otherwise? And this is was um, there. actual birthday. Yes, I right was. Now, I was there. Wait, what? what? Yeah, yeah I, he was there on Saturday. So one of my buddies. I thought you um, said you weren't going. I would have stopped. I, I over. wasn't. I wasn't going, but my was like, "Hey, I got some free tickets. Everyone wants them." And so they was like, "Ooh, let's go!" I'm like, "All right, fine." So we end up taking um, what's it called? Taking my car, driving down. Okay. I did all the driving. Um, and how was that? For, how long was that for you? It was altogether two and a half hours. Okay. Because I drove half an hour down to meet up at the game store. Yeah. Um, and we carpool from there, which is another two hours. Okay. Uh, but the trip back, so forever, for good or bad, I like to have redundancy in my GPS guidance. So I have the car's GPS going and I have my phone going. On the way back, they disagreed which way to go. <laughs> one wanted to take 95 north the whole way. The other one wanted to switch to some back roads for a stretch for some reason. God, I'm no, take 95 I'm to go to the parkway. I'm they surprised you go to the parkway. Fought. Um, eventually, I'm like, oh, look, there's a sign for 287 north. I'm going to take that because I know exactly where I'm going to end up. Right next to the game shop. So I'm like, even if it takes an extra 20 minutes going this way, because this is like right before it shoots over to the west, you know? Yeah. Um. So I probably added like half an hour of unnecessary driving on the way home. <laughs> I had to get back to my house until like four thirty in the morning. Oh, I, I slept through all of Sunday. Okay, so because I know originally we were talking about you going and stuff like that, and you, you said you weren't. It makes I'm glad you were able to go and hang out for a bit. I wasn't. I mean, I was doing some other stuff. I ended up. I'll talk a little bit about it, but it was a little bit tougher on me because I know originally you said you weren't going because uh, your body hates corn. And you weren't sure you could actually yes. eat food. Um, but no, that's yeah, good so I, I loaded up on snacks. Um, and I I managed to not die. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, that makes a successful day. I mean, that, right? at the end of the day, that I is successful so. days. All right, good then. I'm, I'm glad you were actually able to go. Did you play anything or you just kind of like hang out? 
No, I just hung out, browsed. One of the guys I came with went to the Magic event, and the Madman was playing oh my two God. events simultaneously. Yep. Well, wait. Explain yeah. how that works. I don't know how that works, okay. but somehow it did. And he enters. Well, they were offset by 20 minutes, so he would play 20 minutes, take a two-minute break, play the other 20 minutes, take a two-minute break, play the other 20 minutes, take a two-minute break. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. Yeah, um, like I, I know. I, I know my brother-in-law and all of them. They did, I think, magic almost the entire day Friday, and some of them did it for quite a bit on Saturday. So they played tons of magic and all. Um, but I don't know if any of them tried to do multiple events that were essentially simultaneous. But hey, if you can do it, if that's your thing, I I do less organized stuff at these events, and usually it's because I can do that sort of stuff in my everyday. So like it, um. I, I, you know, I'm not um, uh, like I don't like play magic. But if I played magic, okay, I can do magic any Friday night. I didn't do miniatures at the show because if I really wanted to do miniatures, I can do miniatures pretty much every week if I wanted. Now Dan's not huge in the board game, so I completely understand that. But for me, board games are my other passion. So I'm like, you know what? That's what I want to do here. I want to do all that because miniatures are easy for me to do other things. I, I did have more plans of doing a lot more recordings of it and kind of you know, looking at people's stuff and I just, you know, just end up getting to it. So, all right. Uh, well, it's good that each of us were there. Um, so now Steve, was this your first PAX Unplugged that you went to? It's my first convention I've been to aside from the know. one we used to have on campus. Oh, so wow. why don't we start with general impressions from yeah. you then, since it was the first one you've went to. Okay. Um, this is very much just like a me thing, but I okay. I don't think conventions are my thing. Like it's cool, I got to explore some really cool stuff, but I don't know, maybe I just I just like missed like the thing that was supposed to draw me in because I didn't sign up for anything. I just kind of like walked around, looked at booths and stuff. Um, I don't know. It was it was a lot of people. I went whoa. I um, I want to say the previous time it was about 30,000 across the weekend geez. or something like that. But now, not everyone does all three days. So if you notice, there'll be a lot of people on one day or another day. And that's like that's like unique turnstile or turnstiles is usually what they do. So it might be lower. But that's, what I, that's a number I heard talked about on something. I don't know any idea the number for this year, um, how that is. But it, it is huge. There's a lot of space. So even if it was, you know, whatever the number oh, yeah, was, no. there's space. The venue was absolutely massive. Like the room yes. was three, like three stories tall, and it was like probably a quarter mile from end to end in the one direction. Yep. It was insane. Oh yeah. Now, are you a board game player at all, or just miniatures? I do play board games, but okay. not as much as miniatures. I like have I like having the one thing and kind of like getting absorbed into that one thing. That's kind of how I, I approach new things. So my recent dip into Magic the Gathering has been very unfortunate for my wallet. Um, because I go, ooh, okay, I'm going to learn everything I can and try to experience as much of this as I can to like, you know, get the whole concept and really get into it. So whatever I get into, like I get way into it. If I picked up a board game, I'd want to play that board game like six or seven times in a row. It's just the way I'm wired. Okay. And people don't typically want to play the same board game six or seven times in a row. So... Depends on yeah. the game. True, true. Um, um, I know one of the games we get like an ungodly amount of mileage out of um, at our board game nights is DC Deck Builder. 
It's okay, usually yeah, how yeah. we end the night because, like, we'll, be, we'll like you know we'll have like a couple drinks throughout the evening, right? And like that's mm-hmm. like okay, we're at the end of the day. Everyone's gonna go home soon. Let's just play this until everyone's stone cold sober and just have fun with it. Nice. I mean, but for playing games multiple times, it does one depend on the game. A lot of them, if they're very good, I mean, I like cycling through them because I have a big collection. I don't have uh, how many do I have upstairs. 60 70 games or so upstairs not necessarily counting the ones i just bought um or maybe counting them i I haven't done a proper count lately but some obviously like when we were doing um gloomhaven we played you know two missions every wednesday we did that for like three months straight other ones i played a whole bunch we are you know currently doing our darkest dungeon um campaign so we played that the one day as soon as we can we're going to play it again so obviously with campaigns is a little bit different but no there, there's a lot of games that i wouldn't mind playing a whole bunch of i'm very very often but i can see a convention being a little bit odd if you don't if you don't necessarily get into a lot of that which is kind of the primary focus of this convention and if it's miniature based there's not a lot to do if you're not playing in the events like if you like board games you can kind of walk around you can try some stuff you don't necessarily have to be like active in it but miniatures, you kind of have to be active to really be doing something. But um, so, Dan, this was your second time, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. How, what was your general impression of the weekend? I liked. Well, so I um, kind of made a plan of just playing Heresy because mm-hmm. um, they were three full days. Or, or Friday was like you know open play from five to close. Um, Saturday was twenty five hundred points. Um, and then the Sunday was Centurion 1500. So I made a plan basically to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get there early, browse around a little bit, uh, and then, uh, play and then go home. Um, and second time around, I learned, you know, get a hotel. Um, yes, (laughs) that was, that was a big deal. And again, I got a really good deal on it. So I was really happy about that. Um, and, um, yeah, so the first day I was there, played some open games. It was great. Talked a little bit. Uh, second day there, it was 2,500 points. Well, first of all, I actually visited the Games Workshop shop because they had five copies of Liber Imperium and nothing else. And so I was the first no, one No, they had there. plenty of things. There's nothing else you wanted. Yeah. Well, no, nothing else I wanted. It would, um, except for some – I'll talk about the dice for a second. But, um, Man, uh, they had Titanicus. Was... There was plenty of things. Oh, yeah, you buy. bought Titanicus. Um, but yeah, no, so I bought uh, the library Imperium. Even when I got there, there were only three left. And I was like, oh, fucking Christ. Um, uh, so I know, yeah, I have the electronic version already, but I, I, I still always like having a hard copy, always. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I noticed that, and I didn't know this about conventions. So this is when I learned something new. Because remember, last year I drove down, so I kind of didn't spend a lot of time. I did not know that in conventions they have event. Uh, or convention, um, what are they called? Exclusives. They call Exclusives. I did not Center. know that. And the guy goes, you know, looking around, he goes, you know, you pick up the dice tray, have you seen our other convention exclusive? And I was like, I don't know what that means. He goes, wait, what? And I go, yeah, this is like, I was here last year. Right? And, and so he showed me around. And I saw, like, they get, like, for example, I know I already have the custodies objectives, like the mouse pad ones, but they had, like, objectives that were made from Games Workshop. They only sell at conventions. Sadly, the custodies ones always go out of stock at LVO and, um, What's the other major one? Nova, because they those come before yeah, Nova, Decon, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I know my friend Manny; he picked up the White Scars one. Yeah, um, that was really, really, really nice. Yeah, that was really nice. Um, they have cool pins. I know that they have um, the new releases for Joy Toy that haven't come out. They don't come out for like the next two weeks. 
I already ordered my custodies once. Uh, I have three custody joy toys coming in. So that's my my gift to myself, essentially. But I got to see what the Invictor, not Invictor? Warsuit? What the hell is that stupid baby carriage looking avatar? Yeah, looking? the Invictor Tactical Warsuit. Yeah. That's that the thing one. is massive. Oh my God. He's laughing. He goes, yeah, we kind of made it in scale because we have to make it in scale. It's it's fucking massive. I have no like I I I'm speechless. I'm just staring at it for like a good five minutes. Uh, if I if put it like if I would say giving it like a good twenty eight inches is not doing it justice. That thing was like warlord sized. Um, and it's Joy Toy. Joy Toy makes some really cool like joints and stuff and everything. Um, but yes, yeah, so, and then I bought a dice tray. They had a really nice dice tray that I didn't know they mm-hmm. sold. Uh, because again, convention exclusives, um, it and it was perfect. It's like a deep redwood with a mouse pad material. It's got little rubber stops on the bottom, and when you roll the dice on it, it sounds really, really, really nice. Um, and it's it, it was forty bucks on the dot, which a lot of people are like, oh, that's so expensive. But if you look on Etsy for like a custom mouse pad dice tray with wood, they're like what eighty bucks, ninety bucks. I don't think on this Etsy. one's wood. I think it's fake wood. I want to say it's fake wood. Yeah, it's not. It's not actually wood. No, no. I mean, it's not I got actually. one as well. I'm happy with the, the yeah. purchase. I do like it, but it, it's not wood. No, it's not wood. But I'm yeah. saying even with fake wood Etsy ones, right? They're way more than forty dollars. Like yeah, because I actually you know I know this because I've been looking for a dice tray. Yeah, that's exactly why I know this. Um, yeah, like a dice tray with fake wood, just to give you an idea, by the way. A dice tray with like fake wood and look at me see here. What's an applicable one? So 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 while you're looking for that. Oh here, I got one. Uh sorry, I was gonna say sixty dollars, okay. sixty five dollars. Yeah. For an exclusive sort of thing, something particularly branded, and it's a good size and all, so in my mind, I, I had no problem spending that because if I was gonna get dice tray, I didn't want one of that was very small. I like the ones a little bigger because they're one for for doing recordings, that works really well, but also two you you don't necessarily when smaller dice trays you feel you have to roll and then you have to get all your stuff out if it's a little bigger you know i could roll and then if you're rolling on the other side there's actually space for you to work as well so that's what i kind of liked about it yep i didn't buy anything else from gw actually i never ended up going back to their area i I thought about a few things but i just never got there i was looking i was looking for custodies pins i was looking for a lot of different things um, I will tell a funny story in a second, but um, no, so it was really fun. Um, I wanted to buy a Thunderhawk. I, I'm still waiting. So custodians have never been able to take Thunderhawks um, ever, but it's always been my dream purchase to get one for my custodians, but they don't have rules for them. So I just never do. I like the Thunderhawk over what they normally have, which is the Orion. Yeah. I actually like the look of the Thunderhawk more and I would instantly day one purchase. They get rules for Thunderhawk. Um, but something <laughs> a little embarrassing and mortifying, uh, like embarrassment and pride at the same time. I was talking with the dude cause I, he, yeah. he was like, yeah, you know, GW is going to release the PDF soon probably. And, you know, we'll see what they give him. And I go, you know, he, he, he goes, you know, um, oh, you play custodian. You, you seem like you really like custodians, right? Cause I keep asking for like custodian pins or objective markers. And I go, yeah, well, you know, I got like 600 of them and they're all named, you know? So I kind of, and he has like this pause and he goes, wait a minute are you on Instagram? And I'm like, maybe. And he goes, are you the dude that like named all 600 of his custodians and keeps like buying more custodians and naming them? And he pulled up like his phone and he showed me my Instagram that he follows. 
and I go, oh yeah, that's that's um that's me. And then he, oh my god, he goes, you're like an urban legend around the Games Workshop because no one thinks you're actually real. <laughs> like, Damn, I Dan, you did. You became a cryptid. Congratulations. <laughs> so, did you do what you should have done? Were you wearing your podcast shirt that day? I was. And did you this say on, anything about it to him? Yep, this was on Saturday. Okay. This was on Saturday, which I so I was wearing the shirt. Um, okay. Hold on a second. My earphones like stopped working for a second. There we go. Yeah, so this yeah. was on Saturday. Um, okay. I was wearing the shirt, and he took a selfie. So I was, I was, that would kind of made me feel, again, slight morbid, like, embarrassment, um, but it also made me feel good. Hey, if 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 it means they realize like, oh wait, this guy is real, and hey, here's where I can fight him. Yes. Then I'm happy about that. That's a good thing. <laughs> so so yeah, that that was quite hilarious. Um, but no, and then I played three days of Horus Heresy games. But I'll talk about that later after uh, you talk about your experience with yeah. board games. Um. Yeah. So I'll briefly go over my just the overall experience. Um. So I've went to all of them. Uh, one year, two, the, the packs two times ago. I was only there on the one particular day because uh, it was a friend's wedding. But all the other ones I've been there, I always go the full weekend. Um, last year was exceedingly good. This year was a bit rougher. Um, partly, I wasn't feeling 100%. I was mostly okay. Um, the wife has had some real big problems with just sleeping and, and other things like that. So it was just, it was a little rough on both of us. So we didn't. We, we got around quite a bit. We, you know, tried a bunch of stuff, but we didn't necessarily sit down and game the way we used to. We usually um, hang out, say, on, like, Saturday with my sister and brother-in-law and, like, the whole half of the day. So for anyone who doesn't know, French, the overall convention is 10 a.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday. The vendor part where you can – the main area where you can buy things closes down at 6. A lot of the events close down at 6. Um, those th- There'll be, you know, like – card game tournaments or board game tournaments afterwards, but what you might consider like talks and all that kind of stuff closer than six. So for the next six hours, everything's open. There's a giant, you know, table upon table, rows and rows of free tables to play various games at. So normally we hang out with them. We play a bunch of games. Just didn't happen this time. Just, you know, energy wise and just everything else. Um, So last year, I would say overall was better. This year was still a lot of fun. Part of the reason we didn't have quite as much fun was because of us. Also, part of it I found overall, and I'll go through kind of what I picked up and sort of more detail of things that I did as well. But what I found, and issue-wise, is I never found the thing. Um, what I usually find at conventions like this, there's something or some things new, just come out, all of that, that are the big thing to get super excited about. Now, I'm not saying there were some things there for other people, but for me personally, I'm always looking for what that thing is that I look at it and I say, you know, I'm unbelievably impressed by this. I try it out. I love it. I got to get it. Got to play it that day. Got to go through everything. There are purchases I made and things I tried that I, I like a lot. But I, when I was done, I realized most of the stuff I picked up was really for things I, I thought my wife would like to play as well or, or things I think, oh, this, this, this will be fun. I do like this. But there, it lacked the... Um, the one item that was the super draw. And I don't know what it would have been now. Like Frosthaven was there. Um, I had my copy in the mail. It's coming in shortly. 
so there wasn't that there were some other big games i looked at that i just know through different things and reviews and all are just not going to be what i want but um it was fun i definitely enjoyed myself but i would say last year i thought was better and i think that's more on me than the convention necessarily um all right why don't we why don't we get into a little bit more of, of details um steve do you have any other particular details because i know you, you didn't really necessarily play events or anything like that so if you have other details you want to discuss might might make sense for you to go first because you might have the fewest details um i mean the only thing really notable is just the sound this dice tray makes it's it's beautiful like i cannot stress enough how beautiful this is i was like ah oh, dice tray 40 dollars. i don't really want to spend 40 dollars on a dice tray i could just not miss the table with my dice but then dan rolled dice in his and it was just it was special i have the dice tray next to mine oh you'll get you hear that mm. yes this thing picks up everything the system we're on picks up everything that you do so absolutely heard it I don't know how that actually sounded over the microphone, but pretty good. It sounds so nice. I haven't rolled in mine yet. I haven't taken it out of the box. I got Dan to pick it up for me, which I have to send you. Or technically, I guess send your wife that money. When we're done here, I'll send it to her. <laughs> um, keep forgetting. Um, the biggest thing guys I did forgot. say that the corners chip easy on it, so I'm like, I'm really babying this thing. Well, you know, it 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 is so satisfying to listen to. Like sometimes you roll dice, it's like, ew, I hate that sound. Like. You ever rolled dice on a plastic battleboard? It's one of the worst sounds I've ever heard. I hate plastic battleboards. I think they're awful. I agree. I like mouse pad. I, I <sighs> and I've seen nice ones. I've seen the great looking GW ones and they look cool and everything like that. But they're in two by two squares a lot of times, which means I now know all the distances, positions, which for some games is a problem. Two I can't modify things on it. So if this side is a hill, that side is always a hill. And anytime we play, it's a hill. And my models are going to slide down. They're more likely to fall and chip and crack or anything like that. And if I roll a die on it, it's going to fire off sideways and hit someone. I, I really just do not like them. That is fair. You um, know, the, audio, the audio experience is so nice on this tray. Um, good. Picked up a couple other things scattered about. There was a vendor. I'm blanking on the name. Um, that had some really cool um, purity seal sort of deals. I picked a couple of those for friends. Like, yo, you know, this is your faction. I got you the purity seal, you know, stuff like that. Um, I picked up Black Templars and Blood Angels for my two buddies that worked down at Mythicos. Um, and I'm trying to think what else I got that was interesting. That was pretty much it. I kept it pretty tame. Oh, and I got grab guns for reaver titans because of course i did i can't help yeah. myself i should have thought to look for some of that stuff but i just after the first day i just never i didn't end up going back into the gw buying side really should have but just not what i did all right um tan why don't we because um since we're mostly miniatures based it makes sense maybe for you to go next because then when you're done if someone has no interest in board games they're you know they can go about the rest of their evening if they do i will do some board game stuff i'll discuss it i might do something later if i want to get much more into depth with some thoughts especially once i try out some of the new ones but we'll have you go next that way if someone doesn't care about board games um they don't have to uh try to skip ahead until i stop talking all right so um oh god where do i start um in the beginning 
<laughs> from the beginning, there was yeah. though. Uh, Friday, I won't really there. talk about because uh, Friday, because Friday was open day, so it was okay. So, um, so I took custodians. Uh, I took custodians, and uh, I was twenty five hundred points and fifteen hundred points centurion. Twenty five hundred points for those, or centurion for those who don't know, is a modified um, FOC where um, you could take less troops, you could take one HQ, but you're only limited to one dreadnought, um, no vehicles. You're limited to a squadron of land speeders, a squadron of bikes. Uh, basically, it's like more infantry hammer. It's it's almost more beginner friendly as well. Um, yeah. You're forced to take smaller things. Um, so my game plan going into this was because um, I've already played like six games already, seven games at this point. Um, my my game plan was to just kind of check at the event, see how custodians do. Um, because from, from what my testing is and what my theory crafting is, cause I play, I love custodians. So this is my, my baby army. You know what I mean? Um, so I brought, uh, the first day to the 2,500 point list or my 2,500 point game. I brought, uh, four troop squadrons, which were five. Um, so three of them were, um, identical where they had three spears and two axes and one squad just had five swords and shields. I took a shield captain. I took two squads of five Heterod with Meridian Blades, which are those instant death blades or rampage blades that can change around. And then I brought uh, the Spear Dreadnought, the Achilles, the Shield and Sword Dreadnought, the Galatis, and one single palace for 60 points, just to see how it would work, because I do think they're really good. Um, overall, I won all three games, um, some more so than most. And I sent you pictures. You about your games on Saturday, right? Yeah, these are the games on Saturdays. Okay. Um, the first game was exceptionally close. Um, but again, the theory is so I know we haven't reviewed Custodians at all, but the t- TLDR, the gist of it is that the book internally balanced wise is not great. Um, they're still not bad. Like they're not mechanicum level <laughs> table your opponent. Uh, but if you spam troops, which is kind of what you want for line, you are somewhat unbeatable literally by diversifying you're playing down which is not how a book should be written at all um and even with just taking 40 troops or no not in 40 sorry five just by taking 20 troops right the my opponents were having a hard time dealing with them like you would think that the heteron guard the elite units that have murderous strike four plus blades are super powerful but the spears do it for half the points. Not murder strike, but just an insane amount of attacks at AP2. Um, so it was a nice little test run for them. And it, it's, yeah, just custodian troops are way too overpowered. Um, it's, you, <laughs> why take elite troops? Why take Terminators? Why take anything if you could just fit more troops in? Um, but yeah, no, so that was that, was that kind of first day. Um, and what kind of really... so. Two of the games were really close. Um, they were de- within three or four points of each other. Um, and it came down to actually, fun fact, the palace. The palace kept dying turn one and turn two to return fire. But because it kept sniping out like two Terminators at the beginning, it actually made its points back. Because two Terminators cost more than 60 points. So I thought that was kind of hilariously funny. Um, 
And then the picture I sent you, Dave, uh, that maybe you'll overlay in the YouTube video, is that one game yeah. that really was like solidification. So I play at Maplewood Hobby against one of my good friends, Josh, who plays World Eaters. Now, his World Eaters have a wonderful um, war gear called Phalax Blades, which are dual blades, so you get plus one attack, and they're for a brand. So World Eaters put out five attacks each and just get four bread on their blades. They carve through my army like butter, right? They carve through anyone like butter. The World Eaters player that I was playing did not have phallic blades at all. He had a drop pot army. So the, he dropped in, surrounded my force. Karn comes in, eats a squad, as he does. And then I just countercharged him and literally wiped the entire table out. It, all that was left was drop pot. That was it. Um, so it's like weird. And it's the ones that were close games were people who shot my custodians because they have a six up invulnerable. So if you breach them or if you touch them with an AP2 weapon, they kind of do fall down. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, it was an interesting three games. Um, and I won, uh, what did I win? I won, I won 10, uh, Marines out of it, uh, oh, out of the box, 10 Mark six Marines. Oh, which, yeah, it was it. You don't ravel for like you know who won the most games. It was, I think I won people's. Oh, what the fuck did I win? I can't remember if it was people chose my army looking good, like the people's choice, or yeah. if it was hospitality, like like me being nice. I can't remember. Uh, nothing against your paint scheme, but I could see the hospitality. I mean, there was yeah. a lot of really good looking. Well, no, that, I, I, I know the angels do one Sunday. No, 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 no. I, yeah. I do not paint bloody. Yeah, I could see the hospitality because yeah, especially. You know, when if you're beating someone and they're still having fun, that shows that you know yeah. you're showing the you know very proper side of the game. Yes. Um, what are you doing with those? Well, they did have bodies? fun. Even the world leaders dude knew he was boned. Yeah. Um, but he gobbled. He gobbled the two squads up. Karn himself. Actually, slight note. Karn himself gobbled squads up because he attacked before the bread butchers. He himself, with murder strike, literally deleted a squad by himself. And then he got punched by a dreadnought, <laughs> which is because yeah. Karn doesn't have an eternal warrior. Um, but yeah, no, Karn himself just gobbled the squad. Um, but it was a it was a fun three days. And then Sunday was Centurion, and for this one, I'm limited by basically points, so I took fifteen troops. So three sets of I took two sets of spear. Oh, the spear and axe squad, so three spears, two axes, uh, and then one squad of shields. And then I took Aqualons. Now, Aqualons, for people who don't know or have never been to Forge World Custodies, these are thick Terminators. These are, these are, they're not even on 40 mil bases. They're on 50 mil bases. These are very big Terminators um, for the Custodians. The problem is, again, this goes into the eternal bowels of the book, they're too expensive for what they do. They they don't do anything and they're extremely expensive. So in a normal game, they don't do much. You, again, you'd rather just take anything else, including troops, than Aqualon. It, it's it's a sucky feeling. And I really hope GW fixes this, by the way. So, oh, side note, I will shout out something real quick. Uh, hopefully they don't mind me shouting them out. I will shout Most out if you, are part, yeah, if, you, if you are part of the Heresy Discord or Age of Darkness Discord, there's a team of people that work very diligently to try to fix Heresy um, because GW tends to um, <clears throat> not balance correctly. Is that the nice? That's a nice way of putting it. And Balancing it's called the game not, is very tough and it requires a lot yes, of work. You need to be going at it 
repeatedly. Repeatedly. So yeah. um, these guys, if you're in the age, uh, it's HH Age of Darkness Discord. They're called the Panoptica team. And they've actually run. So they, Panoptica has fixed basically um, the Space Marines. And there were a lot of fixes that need to be done. Uh, you have Centura, which is Centurion, basically. You have Liber Ingenium, which is Mechanicum fixes, right? Um, where they tone down and tone up some Mechanicums. For example, Knight's now getting brutal because that's just depressing at a certain point. But they have started to errata some of the um, um, the Custodian rules. And one of my favorite things is they actually reduce the number of attacks on Custodian troops. It makes sense because, you know, they, they shouldn't be the same number of attacks as elites. Anyway, just wanted to shout them out. Um, if they get more popular, I can I, I like what I'm seeing with them and I like how they balance it because it's more of like they're trying to not make it break. The, anyway, just want to shout them out. Yeah. Back to, sorry about the little side thing. So, um, so Sunday was Centurion. So I took Aqualons. Um, so Aqualons are, again, very not great in, in normal mm-hmm. games, especially in Camp Deep Strike. Um, but in Centurion, I wanted to try them out because here's an environment where, you know, mate, you know, stuff is limited. Uh, they still died. <laughs> so so let me just cut to it. Um, I still won all three games. Although one game, the Mechanicum game, oh my lord, have mercy, that was close. That was a nine to eight game. The reason was it was it was eight to eight. It was eight to seven. He killed my warlord, right? Eight to eight. My last spear dude on one wound charged a centurion and killed him with one wound left. Eh. And that right. got me the uh, attrition. That got me attrition. By one, he I, I had nine units remaining. He had eight units remaining. Um, and because he was Mechanicum with Allied Iron Warriors, and that was a real that that we shook hands after that one. That one was a tough nail biting game. Um, but the Aqualons, again, it's so they're really cool. So they get three shots at strength five shred. At 24 inches. So six of them put out 18 shots, strength five shred. That's, That's very amazing. Good. Very good in Centurion. Uh, so in a normal game, right, they can't deep strike. And that squad alone costs, let me see, I have it up here, 560 points. Yeah, that's a little rough. Yeah, it's, they're, they're, and, and they're only three attacks, by the way. They're actually less attacks than the Custodian Guard. Um, for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, no, it, it, I got to see what they do. I did like them. Them getting shot still killed them, but it was nice to shoot 18 shots with shred. That strength five it was kind of daca and I liked it. Um, it was a shred heavy bolter essentially, but yeah, no, it was, so that was Sunday. Uh, then prices were given out and I went home overall. The Frenchie runs amazing events. The terrain was beautiful. You'll see it in the pictures when Dave, you know, attaches. Yeah, if you're watching, no, if you're watching on the YouTube, yeah. my plan. Obviously, we haven't done it yet because we'll put it. But the plan is to cycle through some pictures as well as videos. And we'll have that running through this. So if you're watching that way, you'll be able to find some of it that way. But um, I, I know I watched you know, a little of your your game on Friday. Um, you were playing against what was it Iron Warriors, which was running. Was that the Several. gray iron warriors, right? Not the silver ones, the gray ones. Yeah, that was the gray ones. There was yes. like a squad of three predator tanks, full last. Oh my god, with the plasma! Oh my god, yes, yes. I didn't realize there were large it, plasma. It, it, it oh. was 
it was a close game watching overall, but it was very much a thing of if you could get there, yes, you would win. Yes, he tried his best to make sure you didn't get there, but you were able to get there to be able to take him down. Like he had some questionable know, choices where he Havocs actually started splitting his fire. Like he yeah. started splitting his fire around, and I had like a couple squads with like three or two dudes left. He should have just killed them outright. Because um, even one yeah. custodian is super dangerous. Like one, just just give you an idea. A normal shield custodian gets four attacks. He charges five attacks. If you're a nemesis unit, so your weapon skill, ballistic skills, strength, toughness, or oh, sorry, wounds initiative five, or you're a warlord unit, and other attacks, so that's six attacks. Spears get reaping blow one. So I base two people, seven attacks. So that one dude puts out seven strength, six AP, two attacks on a charge. Yeah. And all you're looking for there is to win the combat. If you can win the combat, yes. you might have lost enough. Run your better initiative in a lot of ways exactly. against a standard unit. And that because he had two 20 man blocks of tack marines, they were doing some damage to you getting in. But once you hit them, yeah, you only needed a little bit getting through and you were able to carve them. Yeah, what what murdered me were the last can well, the normal things, las cannons and those plasmas. They killed yeah. a lot of custodians coming in. Um, and I and I feel like I'm surprised not a lot of people take las cannon squads. Maybe this is just a me thing, but last so I, are they just I, expensive I, or is it just I, me? They're expensive. I think the other big thing to keep in mind is that they didn't, that the last cannon kit didn't come out that long ago. So a lot of people might be working on them. Like right now, I, I have them to build and work on and paint. So I am going to have a 10 man last cannon squad. I won't always run them, of course, but I'm going to have them, but I'm just not at that point. So yeah, exactly. I, I, I think might do, some okay, people so had a it. Thing. Yeah, I think some people who had it previously have them all ready to go or people who go quick. I think some other people really kind of take their time with the hobby, is all. But yeah, no. So custodians are like ugh, weird. I, it, so if you vary your list, like I do, right? Now I was at twenty five hundred points. It, normal games are three thousand. I would have added tanks, which I never taked in first edition. So it's actually fun to do this now. I would have taken more tanks. Um, actually, I just would have taken more tanks because I like the way they look and I like the way they play. But the more you vary your list from troops, the the weaker you become. But it's fine because it's still a good, solid A tier, in my opinion. Early early judgment here, early review. I think it's a solid A tier army. I know a lot of people complain on the internet. I've seen the complaints. But most of the complaints are certain units are useless, like the Sagittarium. Well, how about this way? It, it says something to it, the fact that you won every game that was organized and I saw you play a game that was not part of the organized event and you won that as well. It yeah. did feel like part of it could be a person may need to learn how to fight against them correctly. What yes. are the like, targets and all of that? So there yes. could be some of that as well, but if do you not win every single yeah. game, so tips and tricks, yeah, do not engage multiple times, charging terminators into custodians. No, just hang back, shoot them, let them charge you overwatch them. Never charge in a custodian's ever. It but is... well, here's the issue. Unless you have a weapon, hold on. Unless you have a weapon skill five unit. But Unless, either yeah. way, though, here's the issue with that thought, though. Some armies, their goal is also to charge in close combat. Some armies don't have the firepower to be able to sit back and whittle you down. World leaders can handle custodians though because of their sheer weight of attacks, shred yeah. with shred five and uh, thalax or emperor's children can. Emperor's children handle uh, custodians well. I uh, was playing against. Um, Josh, he had yep. Sun Killers and he had not even uh, Palatine Blades. Palatine Blade yes. Swords are AP3. Didn't matter. They attack at the same initiative as me. 
we mutually destroy each other, but he also has some powerfulness in there, which can just still kill me. Yeah. So there are still, there are plays against custodians. I'll put it this way. Custodians are not Mechanicum. Mechanicum are, and I know we haven't reviewed them yet, but Mechanicum are, and I, I hate to say this about an army, so this is, hurts to say. I think Mechanicum are inherently a little bit broken. No matter what unit you take in Mechanicum, they will do something ridiculously powerful with very little kickback from someone else. Uh, I mean, the, the, the book the book contains Castellax. Castellax are amazing. No, no, Castellax. Take Castellax with photon thrusters. Oh, well, no, that's, you have to get to close combat. That's assuming that there's no frontline unit to shield the Castellax. But if the Castellax are shielded, that's a line unit with six AP2 strength seven shots with blind. And that's lands. true. Yeah, it's... it's um... Yeah. And then people are like, oh, what about the stupid little peons, the servitor thralls? I always forget their name. Adsecularis? Okay. Yep, Adsecularis. But for like 100 points, I have 30 of them who are fearless. Their, their job is not to do anything but hold an objective because they're lied. That's 30 ablative wounds you have to kill. So I, 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 I know this hurts me to say, but I think Mechanicum are slightly on the broken end tier, like Stone Gauntlet, because every unit is pretty essentially powerful. Um, but that being said, I think custodians, sans doing like, I'll put it this way, just like stone gauntlet, just like, um, what was the other one we rated S tier? I can't remember. Uh, iron hands, iron hand, fury of the Ancient. Legion. just like those two. If I were to take 60, how many troops can you take? Six, right? Yep. So six yes. times 10. Yes. If I were to take 60 custodian troops, a tribune, and then that leaves me with like 200 points and a contemptor somewhere. That's an unbeatable list. It's unfun. Does not look great, in my opinion. It's very monotonous. You just charge forward and hopefully you make it. It's not a fun list to play, and it's not a fun list to play against. I prefer a more diverse list. Um, I like some tanks. I like some, you know, stuff. Um, I ignore the Sagittarium and Venatari because they are inherently just bad. Like, they will actually actively hurt your list. Um, But that's how Custodians are. You even diversified, they're still solidly A. They're a good, solid army that you can still defeat. But if you play them well, you can win with. They're like a good, yeah. solid. They're like Dark Angels. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. Well, well I, it's still early. We'll see exactly how this shakes down. Like I said, we 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 will do some reviews and and some deeper discussions on them as well. But they do seem like they have a very high inherent strength. Um, their weakness, yes. of course, is potentially the shooting. If you have the right type of shooting, but if you don't have the right yes. type, it's not really that weak against it. But, also, Volkite. <laughs> Volkites are the other ones. I got, I got my. But Volkites just by hands. by amount. That's all. Yes, if that's you is, don't yeah. roll bad saves, it doesn't matter. Very true. You know? I had got shot by a. God, it was a bunch of Volkites, and I failed. I I passed every two up, and then a Fury of the Legion Bolter Squad took out like three Custodians, and I was like, oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> if, you're, if your weapon can't beat the armor, it's down to luck. Yes, it's down to luck. You know, and, and with being a toughness that naturally gets past, you know, strength eight items for double out purposes, that helps oh, yeah. a lot too. That helps a lot. Although, still hitting them with strength eight AP one, six up and vulnerable is, or four up cover save, but ruins But that's are one not... wound. Most other models in the no, game that's true. dead. That's that's what I mean. Now you yeah. obviously usually have less models, of course, but if you don't have weapons that can really challenge them, 
no, they no, no. probably are going to kind of wash over you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. No, I'm, I'm um, glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. I know they did some custom missions. Um, oh, I, should, I completely blew over that. Um, yeah. I'll talk about them very quickly. Yeah, so the um, they were okay. So the, the second day, Saturday was more narrative. Like sometimes robots would pop up on the battlefield and act like robots. So I'm, I'm going to ignore that part of the mission because that's more, you know, that's more. Um, yeah, of course. Fluff. But rule wise, I love the missions. And fun fact, he actually pulled the missions from 40K ish a little bit and modified them. So, for example, one mission uh, had uh, progressive scoring, right? Uh, it was sticky objectives. So for those who don't play 40K, sticky objectives are if you hold the objective, you keep holding it until someone takes it, right? Uh, and if you flip your opponent's objective, you each uh, objective was worth one point at the end of the player turn. If you flip the opponent's objective, you get two points, right? So it kind of forces you to keep your own, but also flip your opponents. Um, there was progressive. It was a lot of progressive scoring. You needed line. Um, one of them was hacking the middle, which is very interesting. Um, but it it boiled down to. Instead of like the rule, I think me and Dave have talked a bit about this, probably ad nauseum mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but I think what it boils down to is that it was mostly pro- out of the six missions I played, there were three on Sunday, three on Saturday. Mm-hmm. One of them was not progressive scoring. I love I, I, progressive scoring in my mind is always the way to go. Yes. Always. Like one of them was my favorite one was there were six objectives on the battlefield. They were pre-placed and your opponent rolled a D3 for the ones on your your side, like um, like my side, and I rolled yeah. for the ones on his side. And if I owned the one on his side, it was three points. If he owned the one on my side, it was three points instead of one. Mm-hmm. So it forced you to kind of get to – because, you know, if you got a three-pointer on your own deployment zone, it's kind of feel bad. Hey, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Oh, of course. You roll it for the other side, and so it forces you to be like, oh, my God, the middle objective and I'm right there. That's where I'm making the push. And because you scored at the end of the player turn – Right, it made it so that you still had those points. It was it was nice. I liked it. I like I like progressive scoring. I've said it a million times before. Um, I, progressive scoring is the better option. Yes. I'm I'm also fine with so in 40k for anyone if they if they don't actually play, 40k does progressive scoring, but 40k is purely based on the points. So that means if if I table you, but you have more points than I'm able to accumulate, because I would still get the rest of my turns. But if I can't get more points than you, you have still won the game. So it's purely on points. Um, you know, we did that as well. I should have pointed out that yeah. as well. So. Okay, in this. Because I was yeah. going to say, 30K so not, you know, is... If I tabled him and he had more points than me and I couldn't win, I'm shit out of luck. Yeah, because that's, that's, that yeah. that's what I was going to say. In, in 30K, yeah. the, the general thing is it's by points usually and a game scoring. Or if you're tabled, you just lose. I'd even be fine with progressive scoring, but table you still lose because that still adds a thing of, hey, I've scored a bunch of points. I'm I'm ahead. Ooh, I might have to kind of go and run and hide because that that's a worthwhile tactical thought. An actual army might retreat to be able to you know fight another day or, or to hold on to the vital intel or whatever sort of scenario. What you I at. saw once, and this was about two years ago in Heresy, is mm-hmm. that the points kept ticking. Obviously, you kept playing the game, but if you were tabled, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of attrition and slay the warlord being one, they were worth three. Okay. So it was progressive scoring, but your attrition and warlord results got 
tripled essentially. So I thought that was interesting because you were ahead in points, but now you want to pull back because losing what is that differential of four, right? Two, yeah. Get both. Yeah. Differential exactly. of four that can easily swing the game. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of ways it could be done, but I, I do think progressive scoring or, or fan made missions and all I think are, are going to be what you see in a lot of events and things like that that people want to do because it's and also I, just in my mind when you play events you want to be able to play some new missions and, and and try out some other things. It's one thing if it was you know 40k high level competition because there you want to be able to play missions that you're comfortable with and that you know and you've practiced with. When you're playing for fun, yeah, I want to try out some different stuff because the book missions yeah. I could play the book missions any day. Yeah. Um, although I we, I, I did you point know, it you out your mission you guys played on Friday you played it entirely wrong but we figured that out. Yes, yes. You guys played a completely <laughs> different mission. Yes, completely. That was funny enough. That wasn't even like narrative play. That was no. from the book. Yeah. You were laughing at that one. I'm actually going to send him a message right now because because I was going to say. Um, on, I was going to say that they were actually really cool. I want you know I'll play them in the store with you because they were actually really cool. They yeah. were neat. Did he have digital copies? He had paper, okay. but I'm almost a thousand percent certain Frenchie. Yeah, them. when you ask him, see 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 if they're um, if he's trying to keep them secret or not. Because if he's not, we can post it up. It's up to him if he, oh, if yeah. he wants people to be able to play his know. missions. I yeah. just sent him a Facebook message right yeah. now. Either way is fine. If he yeah. wants to keep it for himself, I understand. But if he's like, hey. I like these missions. I want people to try them out. We'll throw them up. So if you're on the YouTube, when I post this, I'll mention something about it. Missions are the secret sauce, like part a major part of the secret sauce to make an event memorable. Um, Yeah. One of it's terrain, one part's terrain, one part's missions. And then the third part is just the quality of people. Like what type of event it is. Oh, and we've talked about this before a long time ago. We did a how to run an event video. I will say also that the quality of people here, I mean, I'm not going to blow everyone's horn, but the quality of people there were amazing. Um, just the, 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 the guys are so funny and great. And um, there were two guys who were new. Like they played maybe two games of Heresy before they gave it to that. Oh, yeah. And Your actually, second opponent. That was like his second game ever. Yeah. And he was great. He was great. I was the Don't let player. me forget, Dan. Do not let me forget. I owe that man dice. No, that's Nightborn's guy. That was the Night Lords. Oh my God, that game was so close too. I oh owe him God. dice. Yeah, you. He, so, he so to fill you in, to fill you in. Um, so I walk up to the board. I, I'm harassing Dan for like his first two games. They, they, uh, for the third game, I was away, but for the first two games, I was just kind of harassing Dan. Like, who was this? Who was that? Flipping through his copy of the Lever uh, Imperialis, right? And tells like, him, oh, hey, yeah. hey, <laughs> wait, you don't have Night Lords dice? He's like, nah, man. I'm like, okay. Here's the deal. If you kill Dan's warlord, that man right there, if you kill him, we will go right over to that GW booth right there, and I'll get your Night Lord's dice. And if they don't have any in stock, I will get some ships to you. Yep. And he killed him. Yep. It was Marcus Aurelius, actually, Dave. It was uh, the Marcus Aurelius. It, it's uh, just so a model, everyone. Finally, he's been put down. Yes. Finally. That, that so is actually I order those dice. Death. Do not let me forget. That is his only death. Um... In, in his history, actually, of me owning custodians for like seven years now. That is his only death. So I was actually surprised at that one. Also, not surprised because it was a Leviathan. And he, he uh, Leviathans, um, <clears throat> they uh, they punch oh. hard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Leviathans you, are balanced, though, because they're expensive you, you and can. slow. Yes. yes. Contemptors are, at, 
we don't need to yeah, have the conversation again. The, yeah, the pins are balanced. Box treads are balanced. Um, he was yeah. the guy that picked him up and snipped him in half and threw his dead. <laughs> it was beautiful. I, I, when it happened, I'm like, yes. And it was like, down to the wire too. Like, Yo, Steve, I'm rolling saves, and I'm like, no, you're not. It's like, like yeah, I am. He got, he got. There were like two. It was a shield dude, and then Marcus Aurelius left. This is this is what I'm talking about with more rule shit. It was two shield dudes and Marcus Aurelius left. And he had only four attacks of Leviathan. So he hit with three, wounded with three. And so I just needed to, they would insta-kill each one. The first shield guy rolled a five because he had shield. So there's a five up in the A five, five, and a four. Oh my God, okay. So he dies because it's instant death. The other guy rolled a six, a six, and a four. And I'm like, okay. So Marcus really has a four up save. So I roll it one at a time. I rolled a four. A five and a three, and it, he died from the instant death there. Which only statistically are statistically is what would happen. What happened? You know, statistically, oh. that's what you're going to have happen. Yeah, exactly. It because was, you need pretty, four yeah. ups three times in a row. You're not going to make all of them. Yeah, no. But it was still that. But that was cool. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's memorable to me. That was straight up awesome. Memorable? You said memorable. memorable. I was thinking memorial. That's why. Well, Dan's brain. mourning right now. Okay, this is a very difficult yeah, so time for him with period. his custodian's camp captain dying. Yep. You know who took and Bailey and took the mantle. <laughs> you, you if, he, if this is the first time he died in seven years, you should just garbage him, and now someone else is actually no. Up. So what happens is rip off his uh, nameplate. Bailey no longer takes the name Marcus name. Aurelius, and I take his Balian's head, snips it off, and I replace Marcus Aurelius' his head with Balian's head, and then melt the model. No, no, well, no, the, the, the armor is still good, <laughs> but it's a different not, character now. He failed you. It's not good anymore. He failed you. No, he did. The armor did. Worse, no, worse yet, Marcus failed the emperor. Hey, you damn. think he would stand for this? I don't think so. I don't think so. Ooh. <laughs> So good. I, this is why I love the Horus Heresy crowd sometimes, though. We're so stupid yeah. and funny. Oh, man. Most miniatures. So I will say, yeah. though, if you go to a convention to play miniatures, abs- most people are absolutely fine. So I went by the like, MCP. I looked at that. Now, most tables did have Malekith on them, but the people are still nice. I, I, I was hanging out, listening to them, you know, talking with people for a while. Everyone's still really nice. So people might bring stuff to do well, but it's rare, at least in that, that you're going to get, you know, people who are unfun. I'm not always saying your games will be fun because it's possible that you don't, you know, you, you can't control what happens, but um, you, you, card games, you might see it a little bit more because some card gamers get really into it. Like exceptionally. So although even there, most people you're there to have fun. You spend a bunch of money getting there, getting rooms, getting into convention, all of that. The last thing you want to do is essentially, you know, be miserable. But, but yeah, it was a fun, right. it was a fun speaking, two games. Speaking of beautiful tables, did okay. you see yes. those Star Wars boards? Oh my God! Yes. Holy, yes, Steve, talk about them, please. Holy shit! I, I shit myself I, looking at them. I had to force myself to keep walking so I wouldn't be like just awkwardly staring at these people's tables. <laughs> these yeah. tables were phenomenal. Which was there your was favorite? a beautiful, some of the most memorable, probably one of the most memorable ones. Is I'm like, I went, oh my God, that's Naboo. Mm, uh, really? There's, there's oh, an. Wow. I'm not saying it's the best, but like it's probably the most memorable, probably because like it's so distinct because it had the oh, color oh, palette, God. right? Um, the Endor one was nice. Um, I really like the Kashyyyk one. Was Kashyyyk the one where it was all black and imperial buildings, and there was the black no. Tie Fighter standing on top of the thing? 
No, that makes no sense for no, no, no because Sheik one was the one that had the platforms. At least I assume it was. Kashyyyk. Oh, the jungle table. Yes, yes, yeah, no. yeah. Because I Do think you... the Endor one they focused more on the verticality of the trees, whereas Kashyyyk they focused more on the platforms. So I'm just assuming it's Kashyyyk. Dan, do you know anything about Star Wars? You're like, hey, is that uh, that so uh, build that is, one okay. full of buildings? Like, how wait, badly do you want to um, alienate our listeners? None. On that question. Not at all. <laughs> then exactly. I don't want to alienate anyone. The on that one. The only one I want to alienate is you. No one else. <laughs> yeah, I will plead the fifth <laughs> on that. No, the, the the tables were very nice. Yeah, I no. did go past it because they they were doing a big like uh, legion. It might have been a. I forget if it was like a actually count as one of their regionals or something like that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, okay. It was beautiful. The, 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 my favorite table was the the black it had like black imperial buildings it had black trenchways throughout it and then like the landing tower whatever it's called had the uh i i don't know what tie fighter it's called but it's the one with like three angled wings and they're spiked wings defender defender yeah it was oh man i looked at that and i was like shit me yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was a big one there. X-Wing was pretty big. That was actually put on um, by Red Seal Gaming, which is one of the local stores that I go to. So they were the ones sponsoring that. I, I believe it's mostly bringing them out, so I'm not entirely sure what the sponsorship part required. But I know they were sponsoring that. That They had quite a few miniatures. So if anyone's in the Philadelphia sort of area or willing to travel, of course you can. But if anyone's in that sort of area, they do this always in the December. Usually the one thing I will say, the only annoying thing is, it sometimes varies which weekend it is, if it's sort of the first weekend or second weekend of December, which means unlike some other large conventions where you could like make your arrangements right now, you kind of got to wait until they announce it. They usually make the announcement by May for uh, of the official weekend and all. So if you're into miniatures, it's there. If you're just into conventions, and especially if you're into board games and all, it is a great spot for that. Um, mm-hmm. Considering other packs, this one is not crowded. Don't get me wrong, like Saturday gets busy, like you might have to look around for spots, but it's not like the kind of convention where you're, you know, shoulder to shoulder walking through halls. Like there is space. That is definitely not a problem, especially if you're there Friday or Sunday. Friday's usually pretty light. Sunday's a bit light as well. Saturday is the busiest day. So um, I find for myself, Saturday is the day I want to either be doing scheduled things that I can get into, or that's the day I want to play games that I purchased on Friday with people and just... Or go to the first look area or something like that. So, all right, um, I'll discuss. Uh, so, if anyone only cares about miniatures, now is the time where that's mostly over because I'm not really going to discuss miniatures because I don't really do any miniatures there. Like I said, I, I, the only reason I didn't do it is because I can do miniatures to me any week I want. Where board games and going into that's a little bit different, especially for this sort of event. And also, my wife is with me. She she will do board games with me. It depends on the game. She'll play all those with me. She's not going to do a miniatures game. She's not going to sit there and watch me play a miniatures game. That's about the only thing more boring than anything else. So, I said, the problem we both kind of had, we had some other issues going in, so that kind of caused a little bit, but we never found, like, the thing. The, the thing to be super excited about. Um, and, and that might be more on me, because I didn't quite demo as much as I would have liked. And I, I, when walking around, because there's so many places i don't even know the count of vendors well over 100 100 plus easily that there's so many of them walking around you kind of have a little bit of an overload of you can't try everything you can't necessarily talk to everyone you could but i I don't want my whole weekend to be that so i'm looking for what looks of interest what seems interesting what is the part that pulls me when i look at their game um 
a lot of times, then of course it's for look and things like that. But I'm looking to see what they actually have that interests me. So like, um, say passing chip theory games, they're the ones who make too many bones, which is a very fun game with sort of rules, rules problems, especially in terms of writing. But it's it's a solid game. They had their game out, Burn Cycle. Their games always look impressive. Um, their games, famously, they always say are entirely waterproof because their games are clay chips, uh, neoprene style mats, all of that. The game looks physically impressive, and the game is not. It is a shame it only looks, if it played as good as it looked, it would be amazing. It would be worth the price, which the price is obviously at a premium. And the premium is because of what it's made of and, and, this, and the um, special dice for the game and all these little pieces. But the play itself, when you get down to it, just doesn't have that draw and appeal that you would want for a game like this. There's other games that do its facets either better often cheaper and don't feel like it's kind of there for the sake of being there. So, I mean, like there's some games that looked impressive and just didn't seem as fun. Um, for, for, for games, I thought that actually were good there, obviously. Um, Letter Games, um, the makers of Root, um, Oath, and um, Fort, which is their small card game. They're very well known for their games being um, asymmetric. So everyone has sort of a different role. If you think about Root, you are woodland creatures in a forest, and you're all playing essentially a different game. I don't even want to say that you're playing it differently. You're on a board. But if you are this character, if you are, say, the cats, you own the empire, and you have forts and buildings and armies. And if you are playing the Vagabond, you are a single piece on the board. You have nothing else, but you have some different spots on the board you're allowed to move to in the way in which you move. If you are the bird faction, you are working almost on an automated system of cards of how you interact and everything. So, so their games are famous for the fact that if we're going to play this game, there's four of us at the table. I'm going to explain a game four times because what I say to one player doesn't matter to you at all. So um, they have a new game, Ahoy, that I picked up. Um, this game, what I liked about it is it's, again, four factions. Two factions are pirates. Two factions are smugglers. The pirates play a little bit different, kind of like one's the one in charge, the other one's the kind of the up, and up and coming. But the other two factions play similar. So they play different than pirates. They play a different game, but they both play somewhat similar games. So rather than four or five different games going on at once, it's two, two and a half. So I picked up their game. Great. Really looking forward to playing that. Um, I'm not going to go through some of the small box games that obviously I picked up so that way for games with my, my wife to be able to play like um, we picked up a copy of Delicious, which is a flip and write. So you're flipping cards and writing things on a score sheet, depending on what you flip and all of that. And I, I can go into more details of these at some other point. I'm, I'm thinking about doing that. Um, other things that we looked at. So this was the release weekend for My Little Everdell, which if anyone's ever played Everdell, Everdell is a great system. If you want everything for it, it's going to take up like the better part of a six foot board because there's expansion after expansion after expansion. For anyone who doesn't know, in Everdell, you essentially, again, you are little wooden creatures, and your goal is to get through the seasons. So, summer, fall, winter, spring, all of those. And you are, this is a, you know, both a uh, worker placement 
as well as, you know, item collecting games. So you are putting workers down to collect items to be able to put cards down in a tableau of 15 cards. It's the only 15 cards you're ever allowed to do. You can't naturally get rid of cards. There's some ways to do it. And you are trying to win by points. So cards do different things for you, earn you points and all. And you are trying to build the most you can across the seasons. Everdell, like I said, is an absolutely great game, but it takes a while. It is a long game. And it is a asynchronous game in terms of time because I can go to the next season before you are you do. Because I've used my pieces. I've run out of stuff to do. I'd go to the next season. There's some refreshing mechanics that happen from that. But maybe you're still in the other season because what you did took a little longer. My Little Everdell is the way to turn that hour and a half, two hour experience into 20 minutes. They didn't simplify what you do, but they simplify how you do it. So all the seasons change at the same time. Rather than having several meeples and getting more of them as time goes on so you can place more workers, everyone gets one. Um, you're doing your collecting. The cards are a little bit more in terms of symbols rather than words, especially for if someone's younger, that they could understand the symbols rather than having to read paragraph sentence, paragraphs and sentences and all. So um, I picked that up because I was very excited about that. It, it's a nice way to get the experience for faster. And if you're playing with either younger audiences or maybe English second language audiences, it's a great way to be able to play a game with someone who might struggle otherwise. So that one I, I got, and I was very excited about that one. Um, like I said, it wasn't necessarily my it game, but I was very excited about that. Picked up um, the Grand Carnival, sort of on a whim. My wife saw it. She thought it looked cool. So we went over and looked at it. Um, it is similar to, let's say, like a, like a barren park or anything like that, where you are building a park, in this particular case, essentially a circus, and you want to get more and more people into your circus to put more and more tickets down and earn money and all like that. So it it it, it was a nice sort of placement style light euro, I would say. Um, we picked up a uh, dungeon decorators from Slug, uh, sorry, um, Slugfest Games, the makers of Red Dragon Inn. The the necromancer is dead. You are now the one who is making the new layer for whoever's going to be the brand new overlord kind of thing. My wife thought it looked good, so we hey we picked it up. Picked up some exit games, uh, different things like that. So we we picked up quite a bit. Tried quite a few things. We played one game. So first look area. They have that, so that's games that were at Essen, different Japanese conventions, all these sort of things. They're games that aren't out yet. So we sat down at one of those, and it was My Dog Hotel. And it looked adorable. And it's a bunch of dogs. I saw that booth. I uh, seen that booth. I, it, they might have had a booth. I didn't see that, but they had it in the first look area. Oh, okay. So sat, yeah, no. or the game you're probably thinking of is... Um, was it a card game you were seeing? Yeah, and it's like you you my, you pretend to be the dog or something. Yeah, my my best, I believe it's called my best dog or my best doggo. We tried that. My best doggo. Wait. Okay, sorry. It's called Good Puppers. Good Puppers. <laughs> yeah. The the we got the wife to make sure you got yes. that one right. <laughs> yeah. So so Good Puppers, it, it actually is a fun game. We didn't end up getting it, um, but it, it is a fun game. So it is a set building game where you have nine types of dogs and each type of dog is has a number so collies might be the tens so they're 10 to 19 are the collies so there's nine collies in the deck 
They give them different values because that's going to depend on turn order. And then you have, say, the Bulldogs, and they are the 20 to 29 and so on. So it's a, you start with, um, I want to say it was two cards in hand. It was two or three. I forget exactly. It might have been three. Um, So you start with, say, three cards in hand. You are going to choose one of your dogs to play. You go from high numbers to low. That's why all your dogs have different numbers. You will play the dogs in order. You will pull a new dog out of the tableau of five in front of you. And the big thing is the goal of the game is you're earning points by burying bones. So you could put a dog down and the dog (laughs) says, hey, for every type of this dog you have, let's say it's the collie. For every collie you have, bury a bone. Oh, and then underneath it says at the end of the game, for every collie you have, you get to advance a bone because they start out at once, but they could turn to two pointers or five pointers or 10 point bones. So, or it might say for this other dog, hey, for every dog you have here, upgrade a bone in one of the other piles or add a bone to another pile. So getting multiple lets you do more. The first one only lets you do one other thing. When you get the two, you could do two of it and so on. Dan, the part you'll like is the numbers in the 90s are dog O's. Oh Um, my God. And the dog O's are, the picture is a cat with a... um essentially a beanie on his head of a dog's face <laughs> and and all of them have they have adjectives oh so it's the loving or creative or friendly blank of the type of dog and all of that so it, it was a very cute game it was it was fun but we we just didn't think it'd be something we would play a bunch of um after you know it's it has enough depth to be fun but just wasn't for us but that's the game you're talking about no my dog hotel it is a three-player, two-to-three-player, which is interesting, a three-player game. Three-player game on a board. It is kind of like Lords of Vegas, where you are putting down pieces on a board and you're advancing around a track uh, for that aspect for people who are familiar. The problem is they printed out instructions in English. So I read through those, made as much sense if I could. But the game is Japanese, which means the all the tiles, like the bonus tiles, are all in Japanese. So we had to guess what they did. And the cheat sheet uh, that tells you some actions and all is in Japanese. So I don't know if we played it well. I think the things that we played in the game were good. In other words, I I think we played what I read in English correct. I, I could make sense of it. But there's little facets here I'm unsure of. And what we found at the end, I hope we got something fundamentally wrong with it. Because as nice as the game looked and as solid as its mechanics were, it was very easy to understand. Putting down the tiles was very rewarding. You got to move around the track depending on where you put them. You're putting dogs into these little hotel rooms. The problem is they give you this board track around the outside and they make it sound like you're going to be cycling this track a lot because, oh, there's some, you can get um, bones and bones can be used to unlock special things or get some money and all. And, oh, this one spot on the board, it refills. Okay, hey, that's a great mechanic. We never made it around the board. And I don't I don't think, as far as I can tell, that we played anything so fundamentally wrong that we would have been racing around the board. The numbers on how you move just don't happen that way. Which kind of left both of us having this bad feel, bad taste in our mouth of kind of just being boring. Being a nice looking game, having a nice and solid mechanics, but it doesn't feel like you do enough. 
And it doesn't feel like you can do enough before the game is over to get that sort of satisfying crunch to it. Did you try a game? And I've been trying to, mm-hmm. I've been trying to play this game because I saw I want. Funny enough, I actually also let me just snap ships. I did snap- play it. So before I ask you how it was, mm-hmm. so the reason I ask is two reasons. One, it looked like fun. Build your ship, play it. Two, I kind of wanted to get it for my daughter. Because she yeah. likes building like Legos and stuff. My wife said eventually no, because the pieces were too small. I the pieces are not small; they're pretty big. I disagreed um, yeah. wholeheartedly, but you know, follow the wife what it says. But how was that game? So, so very briefly, I'll go over for anyone who doesn't know what Snapships is. Snapships was a Kickstarter done. I don't know the exact time that the Kickstarter was done. It was a Kickstarter done a little while ago, and the idea of Snapships is they are. In general, I would say the ship is maybe six inches long. Could be a little bit longer, a little bit shorter. But in that sort of of, of size category. And it is a modular put-together ship components that allow you to assemble them the way you want. So there are cockpits, fins, nose, all this kind of stuff. And you can assemble them however you wish. So essentially, they snap together. Name of snap ships. My friend Spencer um, essentially bought off of the off of the sort of the kickstarter what equates to one of everything so so he has a bunch of because he have he has a young son and his idea is hey as the kid grows up these will be a lot of fun to put together because they are pretty big pieces and they hold on very strong you actually do have to you'll you'll notice um for the video i took a little bit of video i'll try to put it in here um that at one point i do try to actually pull the one chip apart and i'm kind of doing it with one hand and i can't because it is a pretty strong hold so originally when they released it, it was just these ships, essentially toys. What they did is they now, I do believe it might be on Kickstarter again, or, or this might be the part that's on Kickstarter now, that they've made a game for it. And the game is reminiscent of X-Wing. Um, in, in sort of look and feel, it is different the way the game plays to an extent, but in look and feel. So in the game itself, you have size classes of ships. So we all played a class four. I don't know how many classes there are. They didn't, they didn't go through this with us. But a class four ship shows you, oh, you are going to get one cockpit, um, say, a set of wings. You're going to get two weapons and so on. So, so they tell you what you're allowed to take. And you go to your collection and you choose things and then you snap them onto your ship. So the idea is it's a wiggy, WYSIWYG game because if you want to have the laser cannon, you got the laser cannon card. You own a laser cannon. Go snap it onto the side of your ship. Um, and there's no like way to build the ship. It's it's. Well, you are building the ship because you were you know you're going to include two guns. Go pick what guns you want. No, but you like, know you get wings. So, go find so the what Dan's thing is you have a chassis, right? Yes, and you have the a chassis. chassis is immutable. The chassis. It's the add-ons to the chassis that you get the choices with. So, okay, so you can't change the design of the ship, like like you, the, the look. Yes. No, you change the look of the ship. So so here's what I'll say. Um, oh. you, you will have maybe the main, like, cylinder or, or, or rectangular solid of the ship. But beyond that, yeah, you are snapping pretty much everything else on. Um, My wife just said chassis, but that's what you had said. So I want to kind of differentiate that. Yeah, you kind of have a base piece. Everything else is snapping onto it. So you are choosing on the ships, I want to say it was seven components to put on, 
And those components include the wing and the nose and the thrusters. It's pretty much most of it. So, so when I think of chassis, I think of essentially most of it. You're essentially thinking about just the center fuselage. That's what you have to start with. And there are different looking ones. So we were playing, um, I forget the names of the two factions, but they the other side was the peacekeepers. And apparently we were the bad side. I, we, we said we were the misrepresented side. Um, <laughs> so as, th- th- as per normal. Yes. So the way the game works is you start with energy. And I, I want to say it was seven energy for what we did. Different sizes might do a different thing. You have energy, you have an evade value, and you have your seven cards of things. And those cards require energy to do different things. So maybe your gun requires two energy. Maybe your better gun that's stronger and does a lot more damage requires two of your blue energy, your standard energy, but it also takes some red. It takes heat. So you might have to throw a few of those on. The premise in the game is that on my turn, after I'm done, when I go again, I'm going to be resetting my evade value. And evade makes you harder to hit. And I'm going to pull off five energy. For our size of ship, it was five. So if I'm grabbing some of that heat, if I'm really trying to make this ship work, I'm and I have seven energy to start with, if I'm only pulling off five, I can't do an action unless the and unless the card is empty and I have cubes to put on it, which means I might not be able to pull off enough cubes to be able to use all my guns again. So it's it's about choosing what do you do and how much do you do, because you know you could pull off five. If you do five cubes worth of things, you're fine. As soon as you start doing six or more, you might not be able to complete everything and get everything done that you want. So that makes a very big difference there. Um, for like say the ship I had, one of my ships had blade wings. So I wanted to collide with people. Normally collisions can do damage to both of it. My wings say, no, I'm going to roll some dice and I hurt you only. Huh. You can't hurt me back with my wings. One of my, my ship had uh, its cockpit thing was um, if I have you lined up perfectly straight down the middle, I lower your evade. Oh, the way cool. dice work in the game, the weapon will give you a target number. A lot of ga- target numbers are two or three. It's a 10 sided die. But I add your evade to it. So if your evade is standard of a three, because that's sort of the set standard, it's on a five then. But if I lower it, maybe I can hit you on fours. Um, You have a set amount of health. For all of our ships, it was 12. When you run out of health, you're dead. Um, There's missiles. So there's an actual game there. It feels satisfying to play. It's only about two ships on two ships. Um, Maybe you could play bigger, but that felt pretty good. I wouldn't want more, especially at their size. Because it's on a 3 by 3 X-Wing style mat. Um, and there is solo play. The solo play is developed by... Um, I, I forget. I, I don't remember the name of the guy. But it's the guy who did Heroes of the Atari Cluster. Which for anyone who played X-Wing in 1st edition. Or with the revamps that they did in 2nd with this. This was the co-op campaign that was made. That had AI enemies. And the AI in that was brilliant. The the mechanics of how it worked and the style were so good. So I did stop at the booth and he was explaining that to me and I got mm-hmm. to see. And it's very it actually what it did, it reminded me of um Super Dungeon Explorer, the way they do their AI, where certain things cause certain things to happen. Like it's it's not like, oh, we just charge forward and attack. It's like, oh, no. you got within three squares of my left side, this will trigger this reaction. Exactly. So it plays like an actual person. 
they what they did for Heroes of the Tardy Cluster, the way it sort of worked was where was the enemy positioned and how far away they are. All of those things will determine what I do, but there's also a little bit of randomness, so that way you can't necessarily predict perfectly what the enemy will do, but you have a reasonable idea. It makes sense. If I'm on your right side, then you're probably going to be doing something that would affect towards towards where I am positioned, but I won't know exactly what you're going to do. Um, we didn't see the AI thing, so we don't know how that's going to work, but the fact that it's being worked on by that guy um, or team, I don't know if it's one man or if it's a team, that gives me a lot of faith in it. Um, so we did, we sit down, we played a demo of that for a bit, and it, it was a lot of fun. Now, what I would say, will I get it personally? No, because Spencer has it all. So one of my <laughs> friends that I play a lot of games with, he so, has it. I don't need it. I'm going to ask you a weird question. Yeah. Would a three-year-old like it? And the three-year-old likes, uh, like, you know, you know, you know the Joy Toy robots I got? She loves playing yes. with those. So playing, like with, playing with the ships, I think, I, I will say at three, she would need help with probably assembling them because it is a little bit putting them together is probably a little easier. But if you wanted to pull any apart, she's going to need help oh, yeah, she's apart because problem. they do yeah. hold on pretty strong. And honestly, I'm the cleanup person anyway. So yes, I'm <laughs> um, putting them together. She probably could do maybe not all the pieces, but you could help a bit with that. Yeah. Game wise needs to be a bit older before we could play the game. We were playing a little bit simplified rule form. The guy said, I don't know the rest of the rules. They didn't tell us. Um, Okay. But the game probably needs to be a few years older before she could do the game part. Of but the toy part, she'd probably, she, I don't see why she wouldn't enjoy the toy part. Yeah. All right. I should have you bought know. some. I should have, you know, I'll run it by my wife again. I'll see if she likes it. W- I, what I, to I, do? Spencer has a lot of it. Maybe ask him um, to borrow a little bit. Idea. That way you could see, see she what she it. thinks. Because yeah. the only thing I would say is she might just not be into it because maybe she doesn't care about ships. That might not yeah. be like the look well, that she cares she, that's about. That's the problem she does. She loves spaceships, okay. robots, and stuff. Like I, I know Daddy Spencer owns a lot of it. I believe he has it currently. I don't know if he's waiting for it to come in, but I, I know he. I believe he has it coming in or, or might have it now. I, I don't personally know which, but I know he has purchased um, essentially one of everything. Okay. Um, the other, the, the only other thing I'll talk about briefly that we did as well, and I can go into more detail about this. And once I played some of these games, I want to do some more review style videos of them. Um, I bought a starter set for Soulforge, which was a Kickstarter um, card game put out last year. Um, the, it, it just came out now, but the Kickstarter was done last year. It was originally a computer game um, that ended up falling to the wayside, but the card game does. Um, have Richard Garfield involved. So for anyone who doesn't know Richard Garfield, um, his most famous game is Magic. Richard Garfield is essentially the inventor of Magic. He also did Kings of Tokyo. Um, He did Keyforge. If you like a very popular game that that is kind of for mass audience, I will say to a point, there's a very good chance Richard Garfield was involved. Um, He has done most of these very, very big, especially card games. Much like Keyforge, which is a procedurally generated card game of random cards and random things, Soulforge did the same thing. So our decks are different. If you get the same faction, as far as I know, there's four factions. There might be more. But in the base set, there's four. But my deck's going to be different. And I don't get to choose what cards are in it. So your decks are half decks. You make a full deck for the game by combining two half decks of different factions. So my half deck of, I don't know, robot guys, I don't know the names of the factions, I haven't looked through it enough, is going to be different than yours because the cards that go in, and um, interestingly, it's the keywords that go on them. So 
there's a keyword attached. So my guy might be the nimble something. And nimble means he has stealth. And stealth is a game mechanic. So they get around confusion by saying that anytime you see the word nimble, it might not be nimble. I, I do not recall right this moment. But whenever you see that word, what that means is the model, the, the card has stealth. But you're going to see it on my this card and your this card might not have it. It's a different card that has it and so on. Um, the neat mechanic in the game, the, the part that really is the selling feature, other than just unique decks, is it's an upgrade system. So your cards have three tiers. You start by putting together your deck, and your deck is the tier ones of the two half decks you put together. And you put your tier two cards to the side and your tier three cards to the side. On your turn, draw five cards. And you are only on your turn going to play a total of two cards. You're going to play them into up to five lanes of attackers and defenders. Um, you start with life. Your point is you're playing monsters to kill the other guy. But when you play a, t a, a tier one card, you then go and grab your tier two of that card out, out of its pile and go put it in your discard pile. So by playing a card, you have upgraded it. When that tier one card goes away, if it's a monster because it's been destroyed or if it's a spell because it's just been used, it goes to a graveyard. It does not come in because as soon as you play a card, what you replace it by is a better version. Every three rounds, you shuffle your deck. That's how you get tier tier two cards. And if you play a tier two card, shuffle in a tier three. Every few rounds, you, you have a leader Every few rounds, you get to have a use of a special leader ability that you have to do before the next shuffle. So in the, with, you know, after the first shuffle, I get my first ability. And before the next shuffle, which is three rounds later, I, have to, I can use it. I can use it once, and it might create some other cards or, or hit an opponent or do a variety of different things. So um, I don't know why the digital game failed, but they turned it into a physical card game. And the nice part is that you're starting weak, but as you're going, as you're playing cards, they're getting better and better versions, so you're getting to do more. So you only have five cards in hand. At the end of the hand, you discard everything. You're only going to be allowed to play two. So part of your decision is, hey, this card's better for now. Ooh, but I need the upgrade form of this card because I know it's going to help me win me the game because I see my opponent does a lot of attacks and this card is great against that or they do a lot of defensive things that's great for that so so there's a lot of nice back and forth for this as a card game so we both i picked up a starter set i know he did he might have bought some other stuff but we want to play that a little against each other and just kind of see how that feel goes um i don't feel compelled for the moment to get a whole lot of more half decks but that's me personally i'm not a giant card gamer um, I don't like when I have to assemble decks, so I like that I can just take two halves and shove it together. That's what I loved about Keyforge. Keyforge was unique decks. There was, at the time, no deck building. Um, the company that bought it um, is considering some deck building, so we're going to have to see how that goes. But I, I kind of liked it. it. It's a self-contained product. I got this thing. I can go and play it. And maybe it's good. Maybe it's not that good of a deck. But how good and bad it is isn't on me. It's on the random deck that was put together. So... I can find a deck versus his where it feels equal. Maybe my deck's a little weak. Hey, why don't you try this other pairing? Let's see if we can lower yours or strengthen mine kind of thing. Like I wouldn't play competitive, but I don't play card games competitive. So um, that was a lot of fun. And I picked up stuff for Alien, uh, the RPG, which is great. It's by Freeform Publishing. Or sorry, Free League Publishing. My apologies. 
which is a great horror game if you love aliens, which I absolutely love aliens. Alien, the second Aliens movie was my favorite movie as a child, which tells you something about me because I saw that when I was a very, very young child. So those are the main things. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. Like I said, we tried some other things. We did a little escape room. It didn't go well. We it, they have required a manipulative. We did really terrible at that. But um, a what? A manipulative. So um, have you ever seen where they have like metal? Like oh, you gotta do something with these rings and it makes something happen. So essentially, it was two horseshoes connected by chains with a key on a ring between it. If you move it in an exact right way and reposition and do all this kind of stuff, you can get the key off. I had the instructions on my side. She had the manipulative on her side. I tried my best to explain it. I'm sure I didn't do a, a, an amazing job. I, I think I did okay, but not amazing. Oh, but I know what you Yeah, no, I hate it, It's hard to follow. And if you're having trouble manipulating it correctly, you're not going to get, like, if you don't do it exactly right, it won't work. So we spent 20 some minutes going back and forth with that. Um, the multiplayer ones, the mo- more player ones, because um, my sister did that. She said that one was a lot of fun. And I think a lot of the fun of that was that there was also someone else on your side that if you were struggling, they could try the thing. Like we couldn't swap, but if we could have swapped, I felt somewhat confident in what to do with the thing because I've used those before. I've, I've done them through. We have some at school just hanging around for students to try out. And maybe she would have been better explaining what to do. So then like maybe we would have got through it. We could have got to the next step of the thing to continue forward, but we really couldn't. So, I mean, that was that was kind of on us. But um, the, the hope is, you know, after this to one, play a bunch of the games I have. We want to do some more stuff of board, uh, board game, board game meetups, playing more stuff with friends. Like I said, we, we have a variety of games that we're, we're in the middle of. We just started a Darkest Dungeon thing, which I'm going to do a full review once my copy comes in. Unboxing, reviews, all of that sort of stuff. Same thing for Frosthaven once we get that in. Um, once I get my copy of Ark Nova and Acropolis, I want to do the same. So I, I'd like to do more of that once I have those items. I'm just waiting on them. Um, for once, I know what I'll get for Christmas mostly because I have specific games I couldn't get there because I couldn't find them or they were sold out that I'm going to be asking for. So that'll be... Um, I don't mind not being surprised. I'm fine with not being surprised if I'm getting the cool things that I want. So um, all in all, it was good. Last year I thought it was better, but that might have just been us. We might have been in a better place physically and mentally last year. Um, but I do look forward to playing the games that we got, as well as playing the games that I learned about and just wasn't able to get and want to get in the future. So um, of a special interest here, if anyone is interested in hearing more about board games, just obviously let us know. Like, I, I want to start doing that as well. Um, and that is going to become a facet of probably things I might just, I might even be doing myself or with someone else if... if, if Neither of them had that sort of interest. I don't mind doing that. Um, so any other closing thoughts on PAX, on the convention itself? Steve, would you go back? Let me ask you that first, actually. Would you actually go back? Maybe. I'm not sure yet, honestly. M- maybe if you signed up for one of the um Yeah. May- like if, I had a speci- if I had a specific reason to be there, maybe. Okay. Without a specific reason, probably not. I can understand that. I can appreciate that. Um, Dan, you're obvi- I assume you want to go next year. Because you, you talked about yeah. plans of, of how you wanted to improve things for yourself. How are you improving it for yourself? Uh, how do you get the most now, out of, a, out of this convention? Now I understand like, where, the, um, like where the hotel is and stuff. So I, can, I know where the restaurants are. 
Um, okay. I know that there's maybe these restaurant across the way. You know, there, there are, so, so there are ways I could like just a little so better maybe, positioning. Yeah, better positioning wise. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I will say for anyone who is going, if you're going, if you're going for miniatures, sign up, but make sure you leave yourself some time to walk around and just kind of experience the atmosphere. Which is what I, yeah, that's what I did this year. I tried it. I try. I saved it for Sunday, mm-hmm. and I, I literally was like, all right, we are going to. Um, I got in at ten. Games don't start till eleven thirty. Gives me an hour and a half to walk around. I really think I should have picked up snapships for the kid. I think she she is gonna enjoy that. Talk to Spencer about it. Um, he he might be around Friday. I won't. Um, but he'll be around. But if you talk to him, he'll tell you all about it too. Okay, good. Um, I'll yeah, I'll is he on Facebook? No, is he's he not on Facebook whatsoever. God damn. He's on our Discord though. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's on our Discord. He oh, came shit. in the other day because we were doing some phasmophobia on a Discord. Oh shit, shit, shit! Okay, yeah, we were so playing the other day. Actually, um, yeah, if you take a look, he, he's on it. Well, he is God the most recent welcome. <laughs> she. She's not going to believe me, so I'll have her text. No, um, he is the most recent welcome in the Discord channel. If you, if you go to the welcome page, he's the most recent welcome. Nice. Okay, that's that's awesome. I'm just not saying it over the podcast in case he cares. Um, what I will say for anyone, if you're going for board game related things, um, what I kind of think, one, obviously they put out an app. You can sign up for events on the app. So if you want to do board game tournaments because they got all of those obviously sign up for that if you want to do rpg sign up for that they got all that there what i would suggest though personally um saturday is a bit of a madhouse so if your goal is to do a lot of demos in like the hall and all do that friday maybe sunday probably do it friday try to do some of your demos then if you want to do organized events that you sign up for ahead of time saturday is a great day for that because you know you have a spot Otherwise, Saturday is a great day to sit down and play games that you bought. Play just games that they have a giant renting library. Play games from the library with your friends or go into the the first look areas and play games that haven't even been out yet. You read some rules, you give it a shot. They had a um, they do learn the plays where you can sit and they'll teach you games. That kind of stuff is very good for Saturday because the vendor hall gets very crowded. It's going to be hard to get demos in there. There's other good areas to spend your time in or the unpublished room, which is people wanting to get their games out. Um, Sunday is a great game, sorry, a great day to kind of close out and get into the spots in the vendor hall you couldn't. Try some of the demos you couldn't. Sign up for some little tournaments if you want. I mean, they do like a giant... Um, Try the Imperium one if you wanted. You could spend your whole Saturday playing I saw Trial that Imperium. And I, I, I said nope. <laughs> the I, only reason I don't do the big ones is because, again, if I want to play Trial Imperium, we'll go play next week or in two weeks from now because I got it. Yeah. I don't want to spend my whole day doing something that I could do here. Um, we tried to do Blood on the Clock Tower. We couldn't do that. Um, Crocodile, we played that because I'm not going to own a Crocodile board. It was oh, great. that was true. The Crocodile so much was fun. With that. fun. So like that yeah. kind of thing, do things that I, in my mind, I want to do things I can't naturally do or I'll struggle with. So like the one day me and my wife, we went down, they were doing teaching games. So we played Calico. We didn't end up buying it, but we had fun doing it. We, we enjoyed it. So like, that's not something I'm naturally going to get to do. So they taught me the game. I got to sit there. I got to play with some people. It was great. Um, those sort of things are what I think a convention does best of this style because you get to find new things and learn new things rather than being in the same position you always are. Now, if all you like is miniatures, they have great competitions. They have great kind of stuff for that. If you like a little bit more variety, 
I think this convention does a really great job for variety. It's grown each year in terms of what they offer without it feeling so much more crowded. So it's still in that good level where you feel you can actually do stuff. If you go to PAX East, you might wait in a line for the better part of an hour to play a video game for a bit. Here, you want to do something, you can find it. You want to go play a game? If, if you're there by yourself, there's looking for groups. You can walk up for the one game I played. A random guy walked up. He said, hey, you guys playing yet? We're about to start. Can I play? Sure. You know, everyone's friendly. Everyone's willing to, to work with you, help you. You can probably find people to play with even if your bunch of friends don't want to go. Um, So for next year, I'm definitely going to go. We're going to get a hotel attached because the wife doesn't like the cold. But other than that, you know, hope to just be able to be in a better position and just play a whole lot more games. You know, and if you're a listener and say it's next year or something, because that's the only main convention I'm going to, you know, absolutely looking forward to playing games with you as well if you go. So, um, any other thoughts, gentlemen, as we close out on a little bit of a, a little bit maybe shorter for us, but this way Steve can celebrate his birthday and have some cake. Oh, yeah. Cake time. What what type of cake? Because it can't have corn in it, so... Right, so it's going to be a cookie cake. Oh, Basically just a, toll, okay. just a Toll House cookie. Just stretched as far as you could get it to go. Like uh, right. one of those sheets. I did always enjoy the cookie cake. I I enjoyed the ice cream cake, but I can't do ice cream anymore, so... <gasps> I don't... I, I am lactose intolerant and will still devour an ice cream cake. My problem is it's an allergy, so like it just makes me even worse than it. It just makes me feel like garbage. But those little uh, crunchies, the day they put one out in non dairy, I'm just gonna get it, eat it, get sick because I ate a whole goddamn cake myself. But I won't regret a second of it once I'm done being sick. So that is completely understandable. Yeah. At one point, I was able. Well, not I was able to, but like I would eat like everyone else did, and mm-hmm. yeah, no. Ice cream cakes are something special. Someday. Yeah, no. Someday. Ice cream cakes, yeah. ice cream cakes are my... Uh... It, yeah. If, if you are um, dairy allergy like me, uh, Ben & Jerry's does do very good dairy-free. There's some other companies that do as well, but Ben & Jerry's does a good amount of their natural line in dairy-free, and it actually it tastes very good. I've had some, some non-dairy ice cream that was garbage. But theirs is actually very, very good. So if you happen to have the same sort of afflictions I do, it gives you an option. God, none of we're awful. You can't have corn. Can't do dairy. Like we are, we won't be able to find a place to eat. No, no. So where he eats sushi. Is, uh, yep, sushi. Oh, I do like sushi actually. But I'm weird. I also only eat the sushi that's cooked. Tsunagi and stuff like that, shrimp tempura. It's okay. I'm a bad person, and I just, <laughs> I just spam um, Philly rolls and um, like avocado rolls. That's like my list of sushi. I'm really. I'm gonna bad go to a hamburger it. place and get a fucking salad. D- d- do it. It's fine. I da- Dan's seen me do that. I go to a burger place. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Can I not get the bun or the cheese or anything? Just have like a burger on a pile of whatever leaves you have lying around you're probably just thinking you're like keto or something like that they probably don't even love the reactions because they're always like they they like wait a second to see he's like joking and he just kind of sits there like no oh my god so as we were leaving it's like all right one of our one of our guys is getting really like not hangry but he was definitely getting cranky from a lack of proper nutrition 
because yeah. he didn't have breakfast and he gamed through lunch and now it was like midnight and we were leaving um so we went we tried to find a restaurant that's what was like a half hour ordeal it's like oh wait no that's a club not a restaurant that nope club <laughs> not a restaurant finally found like this little like i guess it had to be been an italian because they had like octopus and stuff right so we go yeah, and we yeah. sit we had a great waiter he was absolutely great um i'm like okay this is sound real dumb but where does your water come from <laughs> Um, it's like, well, you see, first it falls out of the sky, right? And then it collects in these reservoirs. But no, like, you know, he, he was really great about it. Um, the thing is, like, if I go to, like, a bar, for example, and I get a glass of water, if it comes out of the, like, the bar tap hose, mm-hmm. I'm going to get sick from it because it shares the tube with the beers or sodas or whatever. So, like, I have to ask where water comes from. It's the worst thing. Yeah, okay, no, that's, that's awful. I was going to say, when I was, um, Saturday when we were getting lunch, we ate lunch inside. It's expensive, but we didn't want to go outside. Um, and it was the busy day, so there was like the line for like chicken fingers. The food was actually pretty good, but they had line for chicken fingers and fries, and it was insane. And it wasn't moving because they weren't cooking fast enough. And I look over, and um, they're doing pizzas, but I can't do cheese, obviously. Luckily, we found a pizza place near me. There's a pizza place near me that does vegan cheese. Their their last time wasn't as good, but usually it's actually very good. They do vegan cheese; it's great. But I look and I'm like, this line's not moving. Nope. I, I look at the lady out there. I'm like, excuse me, miss. Um, would you be able to do one of those pepperoni pizzas, but don't put cheese on it? She's like, yeah, that's what you want. I was like, I can't do cheese. So I walked over that line. But no, having to ask where water is, is much worse. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Like I said, I've been blessed with the only allergy being dairy. You know, that that's been my literal only allergy. So... I've been exceptionally, exceptionally lucky. Yeah. But when I say allergy dairy, I just get kind of, you know, I, I get a little upset. Yeah. yeah you got an upset way. stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyone listening to the podcast, um, this is what happens as you get older. I didn't have these sort of dairy problems when I was younger. I was still allergic, but my body just kind of like dealt with it because it's, it's not like I don't go to anaphylaxis or anything like that. But if I drink milk, like my lips swells up and stuff like that. But now oh, if I were to do it, that it is would bad. be awful. Yes. Um, that's why I figured out it was an allergy at one point because like, I drank milk. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, but it was fine. Like it, Only milk bothered me. Other dairy was fine. Now it's at the point where cheese bothers me. So I can eat something if it's cooked in. So if there's milk cooked into a product, it's fine. But I can't drink milk anymore. Can't have cheese on stuff anymore. Um, I got weird fake cheese that's like made with chickpeas. It's fine. It it makes tacos better or, or pizza because when I did pizza, otherwise at home it was, you know, sauce on a grand's biscuit. Um, so don't get old because when you get old, uh, your body starts to hate you more. <laughs> it just does. Yep. My shoulder still hurts a little bit from carrying a bag all time of packs. Where in the past would never have bothered Actually, me. I hate myself for saying this, but my back. My oh, back dude, back. my back totally hurts. I was carrying uh, heavy-ass board games the whole weekend. From bending over those t- Those tables are the worst. So you've been in my basement, right? You know how yeah. high my table is? Yes. I do that on purpose because, you know, I like to not bend. They were standard uh, kitchen tables. Yes. Like dining room yes. tables for those. Oh, yeah, God, that was rough. Those hurt so fucking much. Yeah. It, it, it's 
or even then like near the night i'm like i'm super tired i'm like i shouldn't be tired i should be so excited i'm like but i kind of have just want to sleep which that's not me i remember we used to do 40 hours of 40k Oh my and god! I, I two years in a row, I stayed all forty hours, and that was when Rich gave you like a prize. You could pick out like a fifty dollar item off the wall if you stayed all forty hours. And yeah, I was like, was "This cool is out. nothing." I went home and stayed up for a while afterwards. That's the one year Spencer went insane um, after playing five hours of Talisman, um, and a box art just it broke him. I don't know why it broke him, but it was like a box art of some random game with a dude with a mustache and he just lost it and and he just went crazy about it and you got, yelling you gotta at love stories like that yeah it was weird hours of 40k was a, a a testament that should be a, its own fucking podcast that was it's a testament to fucking <laughs> sheer will and determination at that fucking point the problem is we're just all too old for it now. Yeah. Like, like if, cause some of us, I don't have a key, but some of the other guys have keys. Like if they wanted to do it, we could do it. But often just like, we can't do that anymore. You got a kid. My wife's not going to let me go yeah. out for 40 hours straight. The dog's going to yeah. be upset. Like gotta, we, just, exactly. we just can't do that stuff anymore. Um, now we do it. like, you know, the bazaar and like play a couple of games. I remember the one four hours of 40 K I was there for 40 hours. I didn't play 40 K at the time. I didn't touch it once, but I played games the whole time. We played 40k related things. We played, like I said, five hours of Talisman. We played a bunch of other board games, like still spent the whole time doing stuff. Never touched 40k once. Like it, it was just a good time to hang out with friends and you just didn't leave. Um, you know, now it ain't that way anymore. Like, oh God, if, if you're still like really young and spending all day with your friends and stuff like that, I enjoy it because there there will come a day and you won't know that it happened that that's the last day that you did that the same. Oh way. man, we end on such a fucking depressing note. <laughs> I know, right? We used to play D anD D every Tuesday, twelve hours, two p.m. to to two a.m. Every oh, single yeah, Tuesday. Remember that? Oh my god, we did that for story. like two. <laughs> no, we did that for about three years. Um, played a played the the best D anD D game I've ever played. And that mentally wiped the DM every other game. Wait, which okay, one, one was that with me or was that no, with us? No, no, else? no, that wasn't with you. Oh. No, no, this was before that. Um, after that, the DM never, other than like one campaign was kind of fun a little bit, but he never had another good idea. Um, I think D&D was like kind of where it excelled and it just kind of worked well. But when he tried other things, we tried mutants and masterminds and all these other systems and they just kind of, it all collapsed terribly. But that's what, yeah, that's what we used to do. I remember we used to do that every single week, and then it became closer to monthly, and now we kind of hope we can play every month. So, Well, now we're going to try it with online. That's yeah, we're going to do D&D every other week online, um, where one of our stats is a four. So my goblin oh, yeah. what is going to have a four charisma. Oh, mine the four agility. I'm going to have a uh, minus four here. I haven't decided class yet because I kind of, um, okay, it's Franco's game. So it's going to be weird and we're probably all going to die because we're going to do something stupid. So I want to play for fun, 100% fun. And I'm kind of thinking, um, almost wanting to do a charisma style class with my terrible number and my guy's just going to be really bad at it. Like, how about a goblin bard? But, like, everyone hates my songs because I'm a goblin. So I'm just screaming the worst sound <laughs> on a terrible instrument. So I'm not going to be good at those things. 
but I'll make it where I have like a cool sword so I can still do something. Like I'm 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 half tempted to be to kind of be terrible and have fun with that and just see how it goes. Or like Franco said, a kender, but I'm going to play the kender who yeah, if you're not watching out for me, I'm going to be using our treasure as weapons because it's meaningless. It's a rock. I don't care about rocks. It's a rock like any other rock. So um, I, I think I think I might do something just dumb. And I think I'm going to enjoy that. Um, because you don't often get to do that in, in D&D or these sort of settings. We are definitely not a murder hobo group. Um, well, we are. Well, OK, the, the goal is not to be a murder hobo hobo group. The goal is to play much more for the fun. And let's face it, we did a different campaign with Franco, and we all died to a giant gingerbread man. No, was that, no, 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 no. No, we did. It was a pastry man, sir. It was a pastry Yes, man, but it's the gingerbread man who killed us from oh, the pastry man, sir. Yes. Us. Yeah, the, the wizard was a pastry man, sir, which sounds exactly uh, like, uh, uh, is what everyone thinks it sounds like. Yes, it is. Um, So, like, I don't expect the game to go on terribly long. Maybe we play a different outro. So, you know what? I want to do something that's fun. If my character dies or is too bad, I'll just roll someone new. But um, I haven't decided yet, but I think I'm going to do something real stupid. Either that or I want to do my um, half-orc uh, thief where I'm actually going to be a barbarian and I'm going to put points into intimidate and things like that. So um, if I don't want someone to spot me, I'm going to intimidate them and scream at them that they didn't see me. Um, so they just leave and walk away or just so I'm tough enough that I can tank the hits from traps and say, oh, yeah, I disarmed it. You're bleeding. It's disarmed. What's your problem? This is what thieves do. Um, so I haven't decided yet, but I'm going to do something stupid, and it's it's going to be fun. So, all right, we're keeping Steve from cake. So let's yes. close it out. <laughs> um, we do want to thank everyone for listening. Who does? Um, I said I I do have an episode in the can that I'm going to try to get out this week, um, related to our nights. The only reason it hasn't come out is because we recorded it in several different pieces. So I had to arrange all the pieces. And honestly, I've just been lazy about doing that. I've been way too busy with other stuff. I was away the whole weekend. So we do have that. Next week, we want to get back into doing Primarchs. We want to do the um, trader side. And yes, before anyone asks, don't worry. I've heard all the jokes um, about putting Lionel Johnson on the trader side or doing Alpharius as his own episode. So all that stuff's been covered. You don't have to worry. All that's been done. Once that's done... Um, we're going to get pretty close to the end of the year, so maybe we'll finish out with some of um, some Primark rankings, some Primark fighting, and then once we get into the new year, that would be a good time for us to get to some of these books that we missed. In particular, I think we might want to go to um, the Libra Imperium first, or um, Imperialis, or whatever the hell they call it, because that one might be a little more common for people. Then we'll get to Mechanicum. And, and actually, we'll... it's much more plastic, I should point out as well. Yes, yeah, that's yes. the biggest thing. You a lot can more literally run majority plastic custodians majority plastic solar rocks majority plastic sisters uh yes yeah, uh, solar rocks is more of a count says but yes definitely yeah because yeah. well, now remember they rolled in just a little side note for those who don't know what they're talking about okay they rolled in um uh militia not militia uh penal yeah. legions yes into it, so you can so run there's now penal solar auxilla yeah feral solar auxilla it's so you could technically take Imperial Guard and use them, which is really yeah. nice. So I, that's probably what we'll we'll get to. We'll probably that'll probably be what we start in the new year. But um, the plan is to go through that next. Mechanical we'll get to. Um, we can discuss some of the changes that uh, some of these groups are doing as well. 
because um, I think that would be interesting. But that that's sort of our, our our plan. There's some other videos I'd like to put out, and we'll see as those go, especially as we get close to Christmas. I don't want to promise anything now that we're 20 days away from it. I don't know exactly what I'll get out between now and then. But um, remember, so we are on any podcast you listen to. We also put all this out on YouTube. Um, as always, like, share, subscribe. All those sort of things really do help us out. When we get into the new year, I want to have the time where we have our Discord fully launched. We want to be able to do some, I have a giveaway plan, some other stuff like that. So we really want to be able to start, you know, the year strong. So that's sort of our idea. Um, if you want to reach out to us, um, we do have the Facebook page that is up and running now. That's a great place to keep in contact with the things that we're doing. Um, you can also reach out to our email, trainkickersnj at gmail.com. And shortly the Discord will be up so we can also talk to people through there. All right. I won't belabor the point anymore. So. On behalf of everyone here at the show, have some good hobbying and some great gaming.